Hey, it's Jess. And Corey. My favorite TV show is Psych. Um, it is a body cop television show where the lead character um, pretends to be a psychic. Um, he's just super observant and he solves cases and crimes, um, you know, with his observation skills. Um, I love how hilarious it is. I love the writing. It's really, really well written. And that's um, my favorite TV show. Uh, my favorite TV show is Fringe. It is a sci-fi show that goes about this secret group and they're not not a secret group, but a group in the FBI who researches strange phenomenons. It has a lot of my favorite sci-fi tropes with some time travel, some alternate universe stuff. Um, Jonathan Noble does great as a crazy scientist who has dealt with working on himself, carving on his brain. Yeah, I think it's very good. Moving yes. forward, um, I know for Alex's number two, <laughs> he also picked a animated television program. Right. Alex, uh, what's your number two favorite yeah, TV as, show of all time? As Dwight said earlier, Futurama is arguably the greatest animated television show ever. And I would like to say what I think is arguably the greatest animated television show ever which is the Venture Brothers. Um, so the Venture Brothers is a, an adult swim show that originally aired back in 2003. It, um, it was originally conceptualized by Jackson Public is his like stage name, question mark, but his actual name is Christopher McCulloch. I don't know how to say his last name. A lot of the names that I know from the show, I don't know how to say. I've only read a bunch of times. So this is going to be fun. Um, so he goes by Jackson Public. That's what he has on his, like what, when it says directed by or written by or created by, it says Jackson Public. But he does a lot of the voice acting too. But that says Christopher McCulloch. So it's very weird. Um, so he's the creator of the show. He was originally a storyboard uh, guy for The Tick, the animated television show, The Tick. He did storyboards for that and then eventually became a staff writer for the show. Um, and then he worked on the live action Tick show as a, a staff writer, I believe. And then while he was working on that, he was working at a comic book store and he was writing these comics that were the Venture Bros. And he wanted to just do a weekly comic series about it. And eventually he realized that it was just too dense and too much. And he started putting together a pitch book to pitch it to networks to do a television show. And he brought it to places like Comedy Central. And um, I don't think Nickelodeon, but like Comedy Central was definitely the one that he wanted. And they kept passing on it. And like year after year, he would continue bringing it to them. And then he eventually pitched it to Cartoon Network when they started doing the Adult Swim block and they picked it up and they got to do a first season. So it was uh, Jackson Public. And then he brought in a friend of his called Doc Hammer. I think his first name's actually Eric, but he goes by Doc Hammer. And the two of them pretty much did everything for the show other than like uh all some of the animations which they outsourced to a company called noodle soup which is a korean animation company 
But for the most part, they did all the storyboarding. They did all the writing. They did most of the voice acting, except for like three roles. Um, so it's like, it's a very small show. Oh, I haven't talked about what the show's about. Um, the show is about a family called The Ventures. It's um, two brothers, their, their father, and his bodyguard. So Dr. Venture... Hank and Dean Venture, which are the twin boys, and then Brock Sampson is the bodyguard. So three of those people are voiced by individual actors that only do one voice in the show. And then pretty much the entire secondary cast is all Doc Hammer and Jackson Public. And the concept of the show is basically it's kind of a riff on like the 50s, 60s Hanna-Barbera cartoons and very specifically Johnny Quest and like Hardy Boys kind of so it's like a weird mix of that but also throw in like some Marvel comics like just sprinkle that on top and no boxcar children Timothy (laughs) Um, but like so you, you very the basis is definitely Johnny Quest but they sprinkle in like Hardy Boys, Scooby-Doo, and Marvel Comics. And you have, like, this really weird world where, like, supervillains and superheroes are just a thing that exists. Like, you don't even have to question it. And there are government agencies that oversee how these groups... uh, interact so there's for the bad guys there's what's called the guild of calamitous intent and for the good guys there's what's called the osi i don't remember what that stands for but they have rules that govern how you're allowed to arch your superhero like you can't you can't inflict with their doctor's appointments if they have if they cry out uh, like if they have some sort of personal injury that needs seeing to like appendicitis or something you have to let them go but they have to come back so like there's shit like that and it's it's really a big part of the show is riffing on bureaucracy to a certain degree while also filling it with ridiculous characters that are uh kind of spoofs on things that you already know like there's a character called baron underbite and he's supposed to be like dr doom mixed with like hitler it's like really weird and it feels weird to laugh at but it's really funny and like you have um professor impossible who's basically um mr fantastic but with a lot of like personality disorders. Um, and it's, I've, I've watched the show ever since it originally aired on Adult Swim. And I think the reason it has had such consistent quality and consistent um, hilarity is the fact that Jackson Public and Doc Hammer are pretty much the only two people that work on the show. It's like, even to this day, they write all the episodes. I think Ben Ben Edlund, who is the creator of The Tick, has written like five or six of the episodes. But of the, I don't know, uh, 
80, 70 or 70 or 80 episodes, they're pretty much all written by these two guys. And I think that speaks to one, why it takes forever for a season to come out. Oh, they also, it's also hand animated still to this day, which, which that's why it takes forever for a season to come out. And the fact that it's written by two guys. So like it, it's such a pet project of theirs and they, they put a lot of care and precision into it that I, I just love it. I like, I adore every single thing about this show. It has great characters that slowly get fleshed out over time. Like the first season, everybody seems like a bit of a caricature that was very clearly riffing on something from like uh, the Hanna-Barbera age. And then they, after season two, they started fleshing out all these characters. Everybody became very distinctly different and had a driving force behind them. That was very clear, very relatable. And it just slowly continued to get better and better. This is one of those shows that every season I watch, I just go, wow, I didn't think it could get better or more complicated. I don't think complicated is the right word, but like, um, more like interconnected might be the word like dense and complicated dense i don't think complicated is the right word dense might be it um interconnected i i don't really know how to describe it it's just every season really puts a building block on what they did the previous season and it just keeps building on the mythos because in the first season there wasn't much of a mythos to it it's like they talked about the guild of calamitous intent but not much behind it and then eventually you have all these arching rules and how the osi plays into everything and then there's a a group called sphinx in like season four and it slowly starts to build on itself and now it's got like a huge back catalog of villains and heroes and uh, like mythos and it's just it's so good it's so good (laughs) i remember seeing um the the ads for this i think on a you said adult swim right yep and i was like i didn't get it yep i didn't understand because i i mean i didn't grow up on any of those cartoons and i just didn't understand it so i've never seen this and i actually this is the first time i'm actually hearing about what it is and (laughs) I'm like looking up like the Wikipedia page, but I had never had any context for this show other than seeing an ad and being like, I don't understand what this is. This is very interesting to me. It is. I like, I have never, I don't know that I've ever recommended the show to somebody because I feel like it's something that is hard to gauge if somebody's going to like, it's really weird. It's out there. And it's very steeped in references. But like I was talking about with Futurama, I think those references don't aren't the linchpin of the show. It's not the end-all be-all if you don't get it because it takes it, it drops it in, and it makes it its own. Like the main villain is the monarch, and he's very clearly a riff on the Green Goblin to a certain degree, kind of mixed with the Joker. But 
it doesn't matter if you get that because the monarch is the monarch and he has his own thing going on and it really just it asks you in the first season to give it some time to breathe and start to establish itself some of the episodes in the first season are amazing and some of my favorites but the as a whole the first season is very clearly them trying to figure out what they're doing and then from season two on it's just it's like i think it's kind of like parks and rec from season two on it's just balls to the walls they they know what they're doing they're just going to give you more of these characters that you love doing ridiculous things and i think this show really works this is a show i've been watching since i was like 13 i I guess i was 13 when it first aired and i'm still watching it to this day the last season aired two years ago so the big thing about the show is seasons don't come out every year And a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're hand animating it. Two guys are writing every episode. So it takes a little while, but like the first season was 2003. Then they had to wait a while for it to get renewed because Adult Swim didn't see good numbers. And then they got renewed and they came out with a season pretty quickly, 2004 or 2005. And then that's when it started to be like every other year. It was like 2006, 2008, 2010. And then there, it started to be like every three years, 2013, 2016. Maybe the last season was 2019. It might have been 2018, but okay. It was 2018. That's what okay. but like says. It was every two years, and then it kind of became every three years. And apparently they did season seven and season eight at the same time. Uh, they wrote and animated them at the same time. So season eight is supposed to come out soon or was supposed to come out soon after season seven, but it was originally said to come out this year, but we don't know if it's coming now that uh, COVID is a thing. So I still hope it does because I love the show. I, I adore it. I've rewatched it constantly i'm actually in the middle of a rewatch right now because when we started talking about doing this episode i was like i need to re-familiarize myself with venture brothers because i knew that was going to be one of my top two shows because it's always been one of my top two shows and i was just like i'll start rewatching it i watched four seasons in the last like i don't know three days when did we start when did dwight text us and say like that was thursday so three days ago so in three days i've watched four seasons and it's one of those shows that i don't like to watch in the background because i really enjoy a looking at it because Mm -hmm. it's really pretty the first season was animated in flash so it doesn't look quite as good but then from then going forward they they said to the studio they were like hey we want to go back to the way we originally viewed this show, which is hand-drawn backgrounds. Like we want it to, when we send things to the animators to be done, we want it so that when they blow something up, it doesn't look weird. It looks good because it was all hand-drawn. So they started doing this thing that kind of slowed down the process, but made it worthwhile. So as I'm watching it, I just, I have to watch it. I can't put it on the background. I just need to sit down and just binge it. And it's it's really good. The characters are great. I know Tiffany's big into characters. These 
these characters are so good and unique and just fun to watch be ridiculous because that's kind of the con uh, the the idea behind it all of the characters in it are just ridiculous people like uh dr venture is a pill-popping wannabe scientist because he's following in his father's footsteps but he's not very good at it so he's like neurotic in a, a, a sense and he just wants to be so much cooler than he is and then you've got like dean venture who's kind of like his father but doesn't want to be like his father and then you have hank venture who wants to be like brock sampson who's just a super badass murder machine who's voiced by patrick warburton who is amazing and originally when they were voice casting apparently jackson public was like oh well i just worked with patrick warburton on the tick show so maybe he'll voice brock sampson i'll ask but i don't know how uh, if he'll do it and he asked him and he was like yeah i'll do it and patrick warburton's been on the show the whole time and he's amazing I just, I know a lot, not a lot of people have seen this show, at least it, from my experience of talking with people. I know it's not as mainstream as something like Futurama or Family Guy or um, things that air on Fox to a certain degree. <laughs> but boy, this is a great show. Uh, if you have any interest in watching it, I. I highly recommend you just give it a go um, because it's great. This is a show that has been on my radar for a long time. I remember when it first came out, um, but I never really watched it. It was one of those things where I didn't watch it right when it came out. And then I caught an episode randomly at one point and I had no idea what was going on. Um, they were, I don't even remember. They were like storming some base. And I was like, what is the context? Who are these people? What's going on? Yeah. And it is not an ideal way to come into a show like this, uh, where it's Agreed. very, you know, you have to be paying attention week to week. It's a one continuous story, apparently. I was not expecting that. I see something like Venture Brothers, and it looked like Johnny Quest, which they used to play reruns of when I was growing up, I remember. Yep. So I was expecting something like that. And it was not at all. So I never really went back and gave it a, a fair shake, but uh, it sounds pretty awesome. So Yeah, it's it's the kind of show that you definitely can't just jump into. You have to watch it from the beginning because they slowly seed or like sow these seeds that eventually end up paying off. So if you haven't seen everything, you're going to be confused in the later seasons. Like if you just jumped into season seven, you would be so fucking confused. Uh, the other thing that I'm familiar with with this show is uh, I have a, a video game and it's called um, Poker Night 2, which is uh, it's a Valve game. And what they ended up doing was they actually got a bunch of licensed people um, to, to be guest stars in this poker tournament game, which is what it is. And so it's got Claptrap. It has um, Ash from Evil Dead. It has uh, Sam from Sam and Max. And the last person is Brock Sampson. Ooh. And so I have a lot of context of who Brock Sampson is through playing this video game <laughs> because he's sitting there and it's it's actually um, Patrick Wilburton and he's doing the full voice and he's he's referencing things in the show. He's like saying, yeah. oh, some one time Dr. Venture tried to do this and I've killed people with garroted piano wire or whatever a bunch yep. of times. So 
I have an idea as to who he is as a character. So he's been, like I said, he's been in my conscious. Like I'm aware of this show, but I've never actually watched it. But so that's that's my experience with Venture Brothers. I I would definitely recommend this show to you, Dwight. I think that you would you would enjoy it. You would enjoy the lore and the mythos and what it does with its riffs on things. And I think I think Tiffany could also like it, but I'm scared to recommend anything to Don't Tiffany. Don't recommend so. anything to me. So I think I'll Dw- never watch it. Dwight should just watch it, and maybe Tiffany will sit down next to you and pet your her cat while you watch it. That would be nice. I would appreciate that. So Tiffany, speaking yeah. of, oh wait, hold on. Oh yes, I forgot to do the one thing that I've done every time. Thank My God, because I have episode. not. I did not have a did not have a segue there. Um, so. <laughs> My favorite episodes um, are actually two episodes that come back to back in season four. They are called. (laughs) (laughs) Long pause and then fart and laugh. Uh, They are called. I want to get this right because it's like everybody stops at Hank's. Everybody comes to Hank's and bright lights Dean City. There are two episodes that come back to back, which deal with how Hank and Dean spend their summer after high school, after they finish high school. So Hank's is called Everybody Comes to Hank's, and it is a noir. It's kind of like the the uh, custodian mops twice. It's like a riff yep. on the, the noir genre with some black and white scenes and somebody comes to Hank with like this stupid mundane, like uh, mystery quote unquote. And he kind of blows it out of proportion and turns it into this whole detective case. And it's hilarious. And then bright lights. Dean city is Dean is living in, I think it's supposed to be New York city or at least a New York city replacement. And it's him living in the city, doing a summer internship for the Mr. Fantastic um, character, Professor Impossible, and the hilarity of when his dad comes to stay with him in the city. So those two episodes back to back are amazing. I, I like when shows aren't afraid to like not let characters be in episodes or like yep. take take a break from them like type of deal. So like to tell a more natural and organic and funny story. They're like, we don't need this person this week. We'll let them right. sit out. So that's really it's, cool. It's really great. Like for the most part, the main the core four characters are in almost every episode, but they do the classic A and B plot for most episodes where you have the main plot and you have the the side plot that shows up every once in a while. And this, this show definitely does that most of the time. And, but it doesn't shy away from completely not having a character in an episode because sometimes characters don't need to be in an episode, you know, or this character is in one scene and then they disappear for the rest of the episode. Like there's one episode called ghosts of Sargasso, which I think is in the first season where they're kind of doing a riff on like 20,000 leagues under the sea where the doctor doctor ventures trying to find something that his father sank in the ocean years ago and 
it, they just drop him under the water and every once in a while they cut back to him just looking around underwater but he's barely in the episode it's mostly about pirates trying to hijack the ship and brock murdering them and then brock getting caught and him teaching hank through a voice communicator how to murder people it's hilarious it's a great show sounds like it so speaking speaking of hilarious and great shows tiffany your number two is widely considered right now to be one of the funniest and greatest shows in modern tv did that work is it is it? Sure. I, I don't think. know. Sure. Let's just go with it. Okay. It's definitely um, having a big resurgence. It's having a huge resurgence right now. And that show is a little ditty called The Orifice. No, it's The Office. I, th- I believe it's pronounced Orifice. <laughs> uh, yeah. My number two, again, not in a particular order, but number two is The Office, uh, which, again, if you don't know what the office is, why don't you know what the office is? Um, I'm just looking at this up now. It started airing in 2005. It is a workplace mockumentary based on the British show. It is like a American version of this British television show about life in an office with a, uh, you know, a bumbling but lovable boss michael scott played by steve carell who is amazing and who never won an emmy for his role i'm really upset about that um you have john krasinski and jenna fisher playing the uh jim and pam and you have this whole other cast of characters um that literally almost every single episode is just a day in the life in the office and and they're being followed by this this unlike something like parks and rec where they they have that mockumentary format and the kind of the looking at the camera and things like that um the office actually is filmed like a mockumentary with the talking heads that actually it's it's the 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 premise is it's actually being made into a documentary um which comes into play in the last season but like it's always shot under the guise that like this footage is going to end up somewhere um which is kind of cool because i think like parks and rec wanted to do that and they still do the talking heads and stuff which always confuses me because there's no reason for it because they're not shooting a documentary so confusing um but yeah i i don't like i don't even know i don't even know where to start i just adore uh the show i adore michael scott as the boss i adore just the humor and the jokes and just how ingrained it is in my life at this point. Um, I have students that are watching it now and it's, it's coming back, which is great. Cause like I watch this in, in college. I don't know. It's, it's just another one of those shows that it's hilarious and funny, but it has these moments where um, you have these characters and you grow attached to these characters and they grow and change and do things and they evolve and, you know, things happen to them and you feel connected to them. And it's, it's just a fun, I don't know. It's a fun show. I enjoy watching it. I've rewatched this show, God, dozens of times at this point. Um, we just finished rewatching it again. And a show that my favorite episode happens to be in the first season, which is weird. Whoa. First <laughs> I, season. I knew that was going to blow Alex's mind because this is another yeah. show that the first season yeah. is considered inferior. Mm-hmm. I actually I actually like the first season of the show. I mean, it is inferior, but it's yeah. not as bad as like season 7. 
And it's so interesting <laughs> to me because the show on the whole, like we were watching it. So the first episode we, we watched, Dwight and I, uh, in college was like, what season was that? Four? It's in season four. It's the one where Jan is um, going to testify against Dunder Mifflin after being Ooh. fired. Yes. Season oh, yeah. That's four. probably... It's probably Best worth season. noting that it's about the paper company Dunder Mifflin. In oh, Dunder Mifflin Pennsylvania. Dunder Mifflin. People, person, um, paper, paper company. People, people. <laughs> so we like caught an episode just in the middle of. It's because it was before a different show that we will, will rename Nameless oh, for the time being. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. I forgot about that. Um, but we caught it and it was, and that's like kind of what I keep coming back to when I think about this show is the fact that I jumped in in a random episode, having no context for it and still enjoyed it enough to go back um, and watch it from the beginning and then eventually kind of getting caught up. And um, so I think that because the office is very much a show, it it, it is serialized in some aspects, but like there are things, there are storylines and plot lines that, um, like the episode we jumped in on, if you just come in during that episode, it doesn't make any sense in relation to anything else that's happening. You have no context of what's, why these characters are where they are and what they're doing. Um, so I think that's a, a testament to a, a good show that you can just jump in and go, okay, I want to know more about these characters. I like them. I want to know why they're here and how they got here. Be- before we get too far, I need to yeah. make a correction that we've been saying this whole episode. It's serialized versus episodic serialized so so we because we're opposite we are we've been opposite this whole time so serialized is when there is one continuous arc that goes through the entire uh storyline um similar to venture brothers whereas episodic would be individual episodes so we we have been mostly talking about episodic television we're big dummies so we're trash podcasters yeah Um, we're trash welcome to our trash podcast (laughs) the office is a show about people doing things Places. And it sounds so it sounds so stupid when you say that because it's literally about working in an office like that's uh, and the people that work there like it's a it's a generic office that's it. Well, one thing that it's weird for me because I went back and watched The Office a couple years ago, and it was after I'd worked in an office environment for like six years. And some of the episodes are hard to watch because they hit so close to home. Like, the show seemed so ridiculous the first time I saw it. But now I look at it and I go, it's so accurate to what it's like to work in an office. And I have so much trouble laughing at these people's pain. Like, these people are being tortured. (laughs) So, sometimes I, like, I struggle with that show but i still think it's great but sometimes it it hits a nerve with me where i'm just like oh my god i nope it's very similar to office space in that sense where you're like yep. there's no way that like you're a kid and you're watching this stuff you're like there's no way that this can is actually how it is and then you get in that um in that environment and all of a sudden you're like there's that one person who is always like taking the jokes a step too far or there's that one person who is like constantly like hovering over people and like being uh like what you're doing that type of stuff or mm-hmm. you get like the you know just like the crazy eclectic people and it is very very true uh the office is fantastic and i really like yeah. it yeah it's interesting I, because no, 
sorry. I'm just thinking of a show that to go back to my, to my number five, where I listed a bunch of shows that I liked, um, and, and relating this back to the office, I didn't talk about superstore on that list because superstore is a show that has gotten bad and I kind of hate it now. Um, but it, it's in that same vein. I think that's why I shows like even like Parks and Rec, where it takes place in a local government, like everybody knows those crazy people that live in your town or your city that are always at the meetings and they're always saying stupid shit. Um, and, and the office is the same way. Like there's there's always whether or not you've worked in sales or whatever, there's just it's, you know, those those pointless fucking meetings and yep. and and the all of that type of weird stuff and. I think that's why it's so relatable and why it's kind of part of the reason why I think it's, it's stayed around because even though that some of that, like some of the references in the office and some of the jokes are like, Whoa, you can't really say that anymore. But like that experience of working somewhere is, is always going to be the same. Yeah. It's fun to watch the show and just count how many times that Michael Scott should have gotten fired (laughs) Um, because it's pretty much every time he opens his mouth. Yeah. especially if it if it was now like oh yeah every time he opens his mouth he should have gotten fired and it's kind of hilarious and also kind of sad i, I think uh, michael scott is that show like he is yep. absolutely the heart and soul of that show i agree and that's why like i, I think the first five seasons of the show are really good and mm-hmm. rewatchable it's after he leaves and like they start to bring in Will Ferrell's character and Robert California and Kathy Bates. And it starts to kind of lose its luster without yeah. him as the uh, captain. Uh, yeah. You might say. Um, He's the party captain. And I'm your party captain too. Thank you. That was, that was my, that was my reference. Um, it kind of loses its steam but then when they finally like put andy in charge and kind of try to get back to the same dynamic it feels more like the old show that you Mm -hmm. liked Mm -hmm. which is like kind of the last season or season and change Mm -hmm. but it it doesn't quite it's lost its steam to a certain degree that it never gets back to its former glory. I'm not saying that the late seasons are bad. I'm just saying they're bad in comparison to how good the show was at the beginning. I, I think the later seasons are better upon rewatch once you have yes. like a, a a barometer for them or just like some bearings yeah. on them. It's interesting because like I didn't I I kind of liked Andy uh, early on in the season uh, in the series but then once he becomes manager I think he becomes really insufferable because he becomes manager in season eight when once James Spader takes over because James Spader becomes the CEO and Andy's branch manager and Andy's like he's fine he's just like unsure of himself but then they absolutely ruined his relationship with Aaron like they made them both insufferable weirdos and I hated it it was so annoying and then season nine is starts off fine and then Andy leaves for like 10 episodes in the middle. And those episodes are really good, I think. Yep. And like season nine really course corrects pretty hard from from the later stuff or the earlier stuff. And it's funny because like we're talking about how much like we, we didn't, like, didn't like this stuff. But I still think Robert California is wicked funny. I think he's hysterical. Uh, like I love the, that character. He's the fucking lizard king. You don't even yeah. know his real name. Like it, it's even, so funny. I don't even funny. know my real name. It, it's so great. And um elephant in the room uh there is a character on this show named dwight 
And what? what? That, Who's that? <laughs> I don't know. And don't that, know that is, is that's part of the reason why I watched the show. Uh, so, so what Tiffany says is true. We we caught a random episode and it was fun. And but I had only the first time I ever heard of this ep- this show was I was in Walmart um, looking for stuff for college like we were about to go back for our think for our sophomore year sophomore year and yeah. i was flipping through the posters and all of a sudden i i flip the next one and boom right in front of me is my name it just says dwight on it and determined worker intelligent hard worker thoughtful or whatever i forget what it is but it's different what about what's the g yeah you forgot the g oh good worker g is good worker mm-hmm. um so it's just funny because he has a bunch of different words for yeah his name um that are all worker but i saw that and i was like i don't know what this is but it's calling to me and i have to buy it so i had an office poster on my wall without even knowing what the office was just because it had my name on it and i thought that was hysterical uh and looking back uh dwight's my favorite character uh he's just ridiculously funny over the top nerdy but like really intense uh yeah i i love dwight and and uh, I like Kevin's, the Sorry. Kevin's the best character. Kevin gets a little too flanderized for me by the end. Like yeah. at the beginning, he's he's very funny up until like season six, seven, when he becomes just like a buffoon. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I ignore seasons six, seven, and eight when well, I talk about anything. <laughs> he does have the best cold open. I think that with the office, um, once the office got bad the cold opens got a lot better. Like they became the best parts of the episode. And my absolute favorite one is Kevin and his baked beans or Kevin and his chili, chili. Kevin and his chili. That's absolutely my favorite cold open. It's so Um, sad, but hysterical. Yeah. Uh, Favorite episodes. Okay. So my favorite episode, like if I, if you had to ask, like it, it always comes to basketball from season one. Wow. It's such a random I, I laugh hysterically every time. And for me, The Office um was one of the first shows, especially being in 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 film school and having no fucking clue what I was doing. Um, The Office was one of the first shows where I learned that concept of I, I, I don't even know what it would be called, but like what what's happening on screen is something different. I guess, but like, I don't know if there's a technical film term for it. I guess it would just be juxtaposition, but like what's happening on screen is different than the voiceover that's happening. So when people like Michael Scott's like when I'm shooting hoops and he's talking about playing basketball and he's just like missing every fucking basket, it kills me. I I just like that. The office was, I think the first show that like really did that really well for me. And even coming back to, to Kevin's, chili thing you know the secret is to overcook the onions or whatever it is and it's totally juxtaposed with him dropping it on the floor and making like a whole mess um there's so many moments of that 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 type of editing and that type of storytelling visually in the office and that's what i keep coming back to but basketball i also love um anything from season two booze cruise and casino night where Jim and Pam kiss. Yeah, I think uh <laughs> I think seasons two and four are the strongest seasons. Mm-hmm. Um I think I'm torn between two episodes as my favorite. One that I think is generally considered the best episode of the show. Dinner party. Which is dinner party. But I, I think 
I think my favorite is performance review from season two where they're doing their performance reviews. And I, I just love like Jim's like, yeah, I was thinking of asking for a, uh, a pay cut. <laughs> Dwight's like, why That's, would you do why, that? Why would you, what if he gives it to you? Yeah. Then I got what I wanted. <laughs> is, is dinner party considered the best episode? Cause I would never consider that the best episode. It is. It is absolutely considered the best. episode. I don't understand that. And that makes no sense to me. It's a really good episode. Uh, but I think in terms of the show in general, like that is just, I don't, I don't know. I'm missing something. Cause I don't think that's the best episode in any way, shape or form. Uh, well, I, I I'm torn between, I really like money from the fourth season. Um, our great two parter. It is a two parter, which, which, which is a little bit cheaty, but I don't is, know any of the names of these episodes. So this is the one. Tell me where, what happens. It's the one where um, Jim and Pam go to Dwight's farm for, to stay in his B and B. Um, and I just love Jim, Pam, and Dwight's relationship is my absolute favorite part of this show. Um, I love the way they all start off like with like animosity towards each other, like uh, towards Dwight specifically. And then by the end of the season, uh, the series. Dwight considers Jim and Pam his like best friends and it is such a like a natural and organic growth like there's like really small moments like there's I think it's in season three when Jim is still dating Karen where Pam starts like breaking down and crying about it and Dwight finds her in the hallway and he sits next to her and he like comforts her and it's such like a sweet and innocent moment and um, same thing when Dwight gets his concussion um and like him and pam like really start to form a bond i think that's the beginning of it and this is like the moment when dwight has broken up with angela and jim and pam go and stay at his bnb uh, and it's just the three of them on the farm doing silly farm things but like they wouldn't do that if they didn't care about him in some capacity which is why partially part of the reason why i love it also it's fucking funny like just anything on shrewd farms prior to when they tried to make that bullshit spinoff is yeah. hysterical. I love when they go to Dwight's farm. It's really funny. Um, there's that one, but I also like, it's kind of an arc. So another little cheaty thing, but everything with the Michael Scott paper company is fucking brilliantly. The entire yep. mini arc Infection. with, with Charles minor um, played by Idris Elba um, and Michael leaving Dunder Mifflin, starting his own company is so good, and I know Tiffany shares this opinion with me, but um, Steve Carell was robbed from an Emmy for yeah. that season. He Absolutely. was so good as Michael Scott in that moment. Agreed. Um, Mike, when Michael Scott leaves that episode, I bawled like someone in my own family had like died. It was just so like he takes his mic pack off, and it's just like, oh, oh, oh. I just love it. Like that's, that's what, this, this is another one of those shows where I don't really know episode titles. Cause like when you're watching it, like, or at least when we started watching it, it's not stuff that I looked up. So I know like moments and it's one of those shows that like, I can, you know, like Jim and Pam kissing on, on casino. casino. Like I did a whole fucking presentation about that for a class. I did a whole paper um, about the editing in uh, the episode where Jim comes back from, um, is it when he was working at Stanford? Yep. And he comes back 
maybe it's not that episode, but I he think comes you're, ta- in you're talking about the end of season three when he's when he leaves New York to go back and talk to. Pam. I think it's when maybe that is when he leaves New York. Yes, 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 yes. And and Pam's being like, oh, you know, it just wasn't the right time. And oh. you see all like Jim coming back and he opens the the door and like, oh, hey, you want to do dinner tonight? Like, I I did a lot of stuff in college where like I dissected some of this the show and the editing and the and the writing and the moments just because it like just resonated with me so much. Um, I also love the Jim and Pam stuff in like the later seasons when they start because like after they got married stuff like kind of went to shit because they just got so boring and I didn't care Um, but when they start like addressing like their marriage issues and like you know Jim Jim helping start another company and like they're kind of conflicting like do we want to stay in Pennsylvania do we want to move like what are we gonna do like I have these dreams and Pam's like I don't know if I want to leave and like that type of stuff felt really real and I really really enjoyed that they went there and they kind of they they moved away from them being this like perfect storybook couple um I'm just trying like there's just so many of these little moments I'm like yes yes Holly Holly Flax one of the great things about The Office, too, is despite having those rocky seasons seven, eight, and nine, mm-hmm. uh, it ends so yeah. wonderfully yeah. as well. The The season finale, the series finale for The Office is such a perfect ending to this mm-hmm. show. That's part of the reason why revisiting it does not feel like a chore to me, is I know it's yeah. going to end very satisfying. And a good ending like this makes you want to re- start watching it again, and which is what The Office does every time for me. I yeah, yeah, it's I, so good. I agree with that. I, as bad as it gets, and I still think Parks and Rec at its worst is better than The Office at its worst. Like The Office at its worst is bad, but it's that ending. It's that ending and how they start wrapping things up in season nine. Like season nine starts to come back, and I think knowing that it's going to come back helps me get through some of that bullshit well season nine i think had michael sure return correct like it, one of the Possibly. show writers came back for season nine and that's what kind of started okay. steering the ship back in the right direction that makes that makes a lot of sense uh the office it's a good end it, it's so hard to talk about like a whole nine seasons of a tv show because there's just so much there like i can't even begin to oh we didn't even talk about michael scarn threat, oh, threat level midnight like, yeah hey if you want to hear about threat level midnight you can listen to dwight talk about it on a podcast it's true i did a writer's did bagel basket on it oh you did oh cool yep i didn't know right. that you'll you like that plug that was a good plug writer's bagel that. basket uh scott and i did a whole episode on uh threat level midnight it's threat level the midnight few- the the movie episode the episode episode where they read the script okay so both yeah so well no just the movie threat level midnight the episode that where they watch the movie Mm -hmm. it's one of the few episodes of radio's bagel basket that i actually listened to and it was pretty good it was good yeah i listened to another one and i can't remember which one was the one you were on no i never listen to things that i'm on was it the dragon ball z one yes where the the piccolo the piccolo driving yep yes but yeah, one. The Office is a show, and it is. Um, I kind of wanted to put it at number one, but I didn't like. Like just in general, like I would think The Office, like all I, time, might be my favorite show. I uh, would have been. I would have been shocked if your number one wasn't what you have as your number one. I agree. I personally, I would have been shocked. Yeah, yeah. I have. <laughs> I have. Re- I have lots of reasons for number one, but I think just in general, like I think The Office is a show that like 
just it just makes me feel so wonderful and magical and I laugh and it, it just brings me so much joy. And it's something that uh, as somebody who's like working with college students, like seeing it come back is really great. Cause like I immediately have that connection with them and can make references and jokes. And like, that's, that's really cool to have that come back. Now, seeing as how Tiffany just talked about one of the greatest comedic shows of all time, maybe Dwight wants to talk about one of the greatest dramatic shows of all time. We haven't had many dramatic shows on this uh, episode. It's been mostly comedies, if I'm not mistaken, correct? I, yeah, I think Bebop was the closest thing we came to. Maybe Twilight Zone. Twi- yeah, like, Twilight Zone. But, I cried during Twilight Zone. Yeah, like a big baby. Um, <laughs> I think, personally, the greatest TV show ever made, best, hands down, bar none, is Vince Gilligan's Breaking Bad. Uh, Breaking Bad is a show that aired from January 20th, 2008 to September 29th, 2013. Uh, it, it tells the story of Walter White, who is a mild-mannered chemistry teacher from Albuquerque, New Mexico. And one day he is diagnosed with terminal cancer. I believe it's lung cancer. Terminal lung cancer. And he then, his his life arcs out of control. And he becomes a he he gets involved in the under underbelly of society, uh, selling meth, cre- uh, cooking and selling crystal methamphetamine. Uh, it is a very heavy show, a very dark show. If you couldn't tell from just the basic description of it, uh, Walter, uh, Mister White, as they call him, he. Heisenberg, as they eventually call him, uh, he ends up cooking meth with his a former student of his, uh, Jesse Pinkman, and the two of them uh, embark on a wacky string of adventures that involve murder and mayhem and uh, death and destruction. And it is such a beautiful show from a shot perspective. It is it is wonderfully shot. Uh, brilliantly written. Vince Gilligan was the showrunner for this, so he was steering the ship, so you can give most of the credit to him, uh, I believe. Um, so he crafted this story of the the common um, turn of phrase that they used is they wanted to take Mr. Chips and turn him into Scarface, which is successfully done, because by the end of this, Walt is a horrible twisted husk of who he formerly was, but maybe he was that person all along. Who knows? Um, it, it really deals with like the darkness of humanity. It deals with some really, really disturbing and um, just uncomfortable material. Because there's some scenes, like in season two specifically, I remember like there's a lot of like street level like drug addict stuff, and that's really hard to watch. Um, it's just like people's like seeing firsthand the the people whose lives are actively being destroyed by this drug that's being created. Um, and then as it goes on, it gets it kind of just balloons and like they become like a larger and larger enterprise in the drug world. Um, but it always remains rooted with your core characters of Walter and Jesse, and then the people in their immediate circle who are being actively affected by these main characters uh, choices specifically uh walter's wife skylar and and his uh his son walter jr who loves breakfast it's his favorite thing in the world and if you take away his breakfast he gets very grumpy um 
this show, uh, I didn't start watching it until between seasons two and three. I bought the first two seasons on DVD, and that was when I, I picked it up, um, mostly because I had heard it was really good, but I didn't. I don't like getting super invested in shows early on because, like, if it gets canceled or if it starts to suck really early, which a lot of shows can do, I just don't want to kind of waste that time. But at this point. I had heard that it was great and I knew that it was coming back for a third season. So I was like, okay, now is when I want to jump on. And I watched those first two seasons in like a weekend. It was just so enrapturing. Like I, it was so good. I absolutely loved it. Like seeing just like, cause, cause Walt doesn't break bad. He breaks bad technically in the first episode, but he doesn't become like a horrible person until much, much later. So you're still rooting for this guy this whole time as he's like dealing with these, like I said, these street level drug dealers and like, oh no, one of them is knows where he lives and is coming to his house. What are we going to do about this? Or like, there's all these like little things that feel like they're, they're world ending and, and like, like life altering and shattering. But like by the end of the episode, by the end of the series, it's like, that is nothing compared to where we get to. And it's, well, like I said before, one of the most like creatively shot uh, shows, there's one shot I always remember where someone's carrying a shovel and they put the camera clearly on the shovel because it's like a POV from the tip of the shovel as like the person's walking with it. It was just so creative. And like they there's like these beautiful shots of Albuquerque. And, oh, oh, and I completely forgot that uh, Walter's brother-in-law his name is Hank, and he's in the DEA. So yep. um, <laughs> that's like one of the main points of dramatic irony in the show is uh, Walter is selling all these drugs, whereas, you know, his brother-in-law is hot on the tail of the guy who's selling these drugs. And so it creates some really beautifully tense and just heightened moments where you don't know what's going to happen and there are several major villains that are introduced my favorite being gustavo fring obviously who, who, yeah it's not even like <laughs> is there even really a question who uh is the owner of a large um meth ring in uh mexico and albuquerque basically he's kind of like the the overlord of the or the drug drug kingpin of this uh this area and him and Walter get into a battle of wits and it's so satisfying and tense and like people are being used as pawns and like there's like alliances being like forged and shattered and at the same time Jesse's just trying to live his life with uh this is prior but with um this lady named Jane and that is beautiful heartbreaking wonderful uh there's so so much about this show is good i can't believe how much how dense these 62 episodes are it's really not a short show but it's only five seasons long and there's only 62 episodes in those five seasons and it's just oh it's so good man breaking bad is phenomenal yeah um i strongly agree with everything that dwight just said i i think that breaking bad is without a doubt the greatest television show ever made i i I think i'm gonna say that pretty confidently um it is five seasons of just pure unadulterated like beauty in terms of like every sense of the word it's beautifully shot it's beautifully written and it's beautifully acted like it everything about this show is just screams art 
and it's just so well done showing the like Walter White's descent into madness to a certain degree where he's he's doing bad things for what he thinks are the right reasons and it really it's a question of morality um the whole show is all about that and i think the best it it's best exemplified in like season 3 where you get the the finale of half measures and then full measures those two back to back really encapsulate what the show is getting at and then the rest of the show is just how do you deal with that and it is so well done so perfectly scripted and telegraphed in a certain way and it's just i love i love the shit out of the show but it's so heavy that i have trouble watching it too often um i remember watching the first two seasons i did the same thing as you watched the first two seasons after season two finished and I was so ready to do season three. And then I watched season three and then in between season three and season four, I was like, man, this show's heavy. I don't know if I can do the week to week with this. So after doing season three week to week, I waited for season four to end and then I binged it. And I'm glad I did it that way because season four a is super heavy but also, I don't know that I wanted to wait, wait week to week for the story that they told in season four because it was just so, it was so much more serialized than the rest of the show had been up until then because they'd gotten so deep into their plot. Um, so it, it kind of has that same effect that like Jonathan Hickman's writing had on me. I don't want to read East of West month to month. I want to read not even just trades i want to read like deluxe hardcovers at a time instead of reading like short bits of the story at a time so like this store this show is i i really prefer to binge it i watched season five week to week because i just couldn't wait because the way season four ends i just had to know um but i liked the way that i i did seasons one and two at once season three week to week and then season four binge i i consumed this show in a really weird way but i loved every minute of it it's amazing uh it made me look at brian cranston in such a different way because i knew him as the dad from malcolm in the middle and seeing him as this weird drug kingpin wannabe kind of person i was just like what the fuck because he kind of starts out the show the way I expected him. He's like a well-mannered chemistry teacher. What could go wrong? Then he starts cooking meth. So, yeah. I, I'm really happy you brought up uh, half measures and full measures, but half measures specifically, because that is the moment where, it, to me, it felt like there is no going back from this. Yep. That was that, absolutely the moment of no return. That is Walter White's turning point where he he's made a strong decision hence why the last episode is called full measures mm -hmm. he goes all the way into the territory where he can't turn back from and exactly it is when he finally breaks bad it, like to the fullest degree like you know cooking and selling meth eh. but once you get to a certain point you 
you can't turn back. And that's really where he becomes Heisenberg instead of still being Walter White. It's, it's a very, very interesting show. And I, I really love every aspect of it. There's very little that I could say bad about it. Honestly, I, man, I love it. Um, I think that Ozymandias is the greatest piece of television ever made. That episode is just so well crafted and so well done. Ozymandias. Ozymandias is the best one. I think my favorite episode is Face Off, which is the last Ooh. episode of season four. Like, because uh, that's the final yep. confrontation of, or it's when the confrontation of uh, Walter and Gus comes to a, a head. And I yep. uh, absolutely loved that one because it was just, you could, the story could have ended there. Like, that was such a good, boop, story could end. Um, and then, like, the season five is almost like, cleanup of what's going on but then season five is also very important because you have the resolution of a whole bunch of other characters that have been brought in speaking of all the other characters the supporting cast in this is also fantastic with uh mike ermintrout uh played by jonathan banks and saul goodman played by um why can't i think of his name uh fuck bob odenkirk Um, thank you they are like two of the greatest uh supporting cast members of all time so much that they get yeah. elevated to main cast members eventually and bob odenkirk has a spin-off show all about his uh saul goodman character which i've never which watched is, well i watched which the is first amazing season. i i watched the first season and started the second season um but i had the same trouble with it that i had with watching breaking bad week yeah. to week i was just like this is so dense i'm I waiting for it to it. be done before yep, i watch it same um i so going back to my favorite episode you talked about face off Yep. Mine is the basic bitch answer of The Fly. Yeah, people love uh, that one. I love that episode. It is such a it's such a character-driven episode. It's one of the few episodes that I feel like you can watch without really knowing much about the show and get away with it because it's so it's a bottle episode. It's, it's the so, definition of a bottle episode. It's so encapsulating and it's not dealing with major plot points or anything but it's all about walt's character and it it deals with how his psyche to a certain degree and i i love it and uh it's such a basic bitch answer because everybody loves that episode to a certain or from what i've heard Mm -hmm. um but i it's so good yeah it's uh a phenomenal show i feel like i had more to say about it but i I honestly can't think of anything that hasn't already been said about this show because it's just it's so good and uh, if if you haven't seen the show i highly recommend it especially in this time of quarantine where mm. you can just binge whatever you want because you have nothing better to do because you can't leave the goddamn house um and and i'll briefly yeah. touch on el camino which is a uh, a movie that came out last year which uh directly follows the events of the final uh episode of the series i thought it was a very good and nice little capstone it was not necessary to enjoy anything else in in the show but it you're back in the breaking bad world and you get some extra resolution of other characters and it is so nice and the send-off may be a little bit schmaltzy. It may be a little bit too squeaky clean, crystal crystal clear, perfect, but I adored it. It was it was so nice to be back in that world of straight Breaking Bad as opposed to Saul, uh, 
Better Call Saul, which is a prequel. Right. Slash sequel, mostly prequel. Hey, no refunds, gang. Amanda here. Uh, gotta go with Friends as my favorite show of all time. I really enjoy the comedy. A little problematic in 2020, but overall, I think some of the storylines and jokes still land just as well as they did the first time I heard them. Uh, I think it's a fantastic ensemble. They have some great guest stars, so just some really funny moments, and I will always treasure that show, and I can throw it on any time and still enjoy it. And that's, that's what makes it a favorite for me. But before we get to our number one, all right, honorable mentions. We have some honorable mentions that I think that Tiffany already went through all of hers. Yeah, Tiffany definitely blew her load on honorable mentions, so <laughs> which is fine. So, yeah. uh, Alex, uh, uh, why don't I go through some of my honorable mentions? Yeah, go um, for it. So, some of mine are Bob's Burgers, which is a very funny um, animated TV show, but it's still on, and there's some hit or miss seasons. So that was an eh. Uh, Sunny is on my honorable mentions. South Park. South Park is a show that I was a huge fan of for like the first 12 seasons. And then I just fell off of it. I think I kind of outgrew um, a lot of the either the humor or just like it became so inconsistently released. Like it was only like once a year or something like that. And I just became very I had other things on my mind and it was it's no longer on my radar, really. It's just not something I, I watch. Uh, I have Fargo season one. Because I have not watched any of the other seasons of Fargo, but I really like to see all three seasons of Fargo are amazing. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Uh, Dexter seasons one and four. That's specifically the first season. And then the Trinity Killer season. Uh, all season other seasons two? are terrible and bad. You, you don't like season two? Season two would have been great if it was the last season. I think that they did. Uh, I think they did the Bay Butcher thing way I too mean, early. I agree that they did it too early. I still think it's a great season. It 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 it's fine. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you that. Two as well. Not three though. Okay. Three is three's eh. terrible. Three's so bad. They uh, brought in fucking uh, what's Jimmy his Schmitz. name from Star Star Wars. I was gonna call him by his uh, Bail Star Organa. Wars name. Bail Organa. Uh, I have Game of Thrones season one through four. I have How Solid. I Met Your Mother. Early. Um, Tiffany touched on this briefly. Uh, Last Man on Earth. Um, that was a Will Forte show where he it's really depressing right now where a virus wipes out all of humanity except for a couple of people like there's like a group of like six or seven or whatever and they keep on finding other survivors but that was a show that was really good had some really high highs some devastating lows like unwatchable levels of like it sucked lows but um, it got they left it ends on a cliffhanger like it got canceled on a cliffhanger and so i just i unfortunately can't put that on my thing uh home movies is an old um (laughs) an old flash animation or squiggle vision for the first season and then flash animated for the remaining seasons it's actually um brendan small's uh cartoon and it uh lauren Bouchard, I believe is the per- how you pronounce it. It's the show they made before they made Bob's Burgers. So it's mm-hmm. very similar comedy and very similar timing. And um, uh, Bob, who is played by H. John Benjamin, also plays Coach McGurk on home movies. And he is the best part of the show. Coach McGurk for the win. And then I Coach have McGurk's The Office so and uh, one other show that will come up later on Tiffany's. Um, so my 
my uh, honorable mentions. I'm going to start off with something that I'm kind of surprised didn't make your list, which is Dragon Ball Z. Oh, that's an honorable mention for me as well. Yes, honorable uh, mention okay. Dragon Ball. Um, but I want to go one step further and say Dragon Ball Z Kai because that is so much better than the original Dragon Ball Z because it cuts out a it cuts out all the fluff and b it is reanimated to be gorgeous. Um, but I mostly just like how streamlined it is. I know you have some issues with the recasting of certain roles. Um, but for me, that's not as big of an issue as the fact that it cuts like a 300 story arc down to like a hundred episodes or something. And I'm just so on board for it because it takes out all the shitty, like we're going to power up for a whole episode. Right. We're going to, yeah, it, it just takes out all the stuff that is very like mocked for Dragon Ball Z and just cuts it down to the stuff that makes Dragon Ball Z so lovable. And like the characters, the relationships between, you know, um, Trunks and Vegeta and Goku and Vegeta and everyone in Vegeta because he's the best. Uh, <laughs> and all the punching. And all the punching. But yeah, Dragon Ball Z, I put Kai specifically, but even Dragon Ball Z is a great show. Another show that I wanted to put on, but I, it's something I haven't actually seen both seasons of. So it's just the first season is Mushishi. I think the first season of Mushishi is one of, if not the best season of anime I've ever seen. That show's great. If you've never seen it, it's anime. So it's really fucking weird. <laughs> then I have Sherlock, which is just an amazing BBC show starring Benedict Cumberbatch and Martin Freeman. And it's a modernization of the Sherlock Holmes story. I also have Futurama on my list. Another one that I was going to put on, but it's only one season long was the haunting of Hill house that mm -hmm. Tiffany mentioned earlier. I think it might be one of my favorite seasons of television. If we were doing a seasons list, it might, it would probably make my top five. I've watched that thing like four times through and it came out a year and a half ago. Question mark. Wow. It's just, it's so good. It's so well-crafted. I also, I already talked about things like Twin Peaks and Community and Arrested Development that didn't make my list just because they had bad seasons later. Uh, that's it. I think that's all the shows. Cool. I didn't write down everything that I was thinking about, so I and, might have forgotten something. And Tiffany already did hers, so. Yeah. Oh, you know what was something I wanted to mention? C-Lab 2021. C-Lab 2021. Oh, yeah. Was Secret, sequel to C-Lab 2020. Yes, was one of my favorite animated shows from the Adult Swim days. It, it originally the way it was conceived was they were they went, we want to use the animation from C Lab 2020 and just redub it and make a few insert shots to tie our stories together. But they recontextualized a show that already existed, which I thought was a really interesting concept. And it's just so funny. I haven't rewatched it in probably 10 years, which is why it didn't make my final list. But I remember loving it. I love the uh, theme song for it. Yeah. It also had an issue where one of the main cast members died while it was going on. Ooh. So they had to get rid of his character 
and when they replaced him, it kind of lost its luster a little bit. The other honorable mention that I wanted to bring up that I it was going to be my number five, but I felt like it was cheating a little too much because it's not technically a TV show is Critical Role. It's it's serialized and it's something that I watch week to week. So I consider it a TV show for all intents and purposes, and Mm -hmm. it will technically be a TV show soon, but I've poured so many hours into watching these people play Dungeons and Dragons and it's so enjoyable every week. And I just love the shit out of it. it. It took over my life like two years ago or whenever I found out about it two and a half years ago. And I just love it. it it's, it's so addicting. It's one of those shows that I just can't stop watching. Uh, my actual number five is uh, the Tommy Westfall universe. Um. This is my ultimate cheat. So have yeah. you ever heard of the show St. Elsewhere? Yes. Okay. Do you know how do you know the 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 ending to that show and why it's weird? No. Okay, so St. Elsewhere ends with a um a child who has autism. So the the entire show is about these people in a hospital. And yeah. at the the very last scene of the show is uh this big thing has happened and this guy is sitting in his office and he's like, ah. and then his son comes in and his son has autism and he looks out the window as the snow is falling. And then it hard cuts to that same child staring at a snow globe. And then his father, who you've seen in the show as a doctor, his father comes in wearing a hard hat, talking about how he um, had a big day up on the, uh, on the, the building and he, they finished yep. the 22nd floor. And so, and then they talk, start talking about the, the son uh, who is looking at the snow globe and he takes the snow globe and he puts it on a TV and then the camera zooms in on it. And in the snow globe is the hospital that the show had just taken place in. And so it is inferred <laughs> that the entirety of that show is a part of this child's dream or his, his, right. his make-believe fantasies. That show had crossover episodes with Cheers where they like go to the Cheers bar. They had yep. crossover episodes with, um, I forget what else, but long story short. So like there are a bunch of other shows that are referenced or characters that have crossed over from St. Elsewhere all the way to like X-File. There's a list of 400 shows that wow. are technically a part of this child's fantasy because wow. of like the implications of what the, that ending meant. So shows like, uh, Teen Angels, uh, the original Star Trek. Um, uh, I'm just, I'm just scrolling through things right here. Uh, Nip Tuck, uh, NCIS's, uh, Murphy Brown, Monk, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, um, Knight Rider, uh, Hogan's Heroes, Green Hornet, Full House, uh, Doctor Who. All of these shows are a part of this universe, and so that's my, uh, my that's my number five. Right, uh, right, Lord of the Rings. Does that count? Um, no, you're cheating too much. You cheated just enough. I cheated the proper amount. <sighs> Fair. I cheat. You need to learn how to cheat. <laughs> I got to learn from the best, which is you. Yeah. Learn from me and Tiffany. Cool. All right. Moving on. Hey, it's Bonnie. I like TV. <laughs> um, I have a really, really hard time trying to decide what my favorites are because I don't actually watch TV normally to watch TV. 
Um, I have a lot of shows that I enjoy and I've rewatched a million times just because they are funny and I know them really well, like Friends or How I Met Your Mother. Um, and then I have shows that I watch once and really super enjoy and then never watch again, like Sherlock or Broadchurch or uh, even parts of like Game of Thrones. Um, if I'm really thinking hard about a show that I rewatch actively and enjoy thoroughly, my favorite show is probably Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. The themes in the show, the art style is gorgeous, the story is amazing, the characters are so lovable and have such a great growth to them that I just find myself actively wanting to rewatch the show and it's something that I don't just throw in the background, it's something that I want to actively be watching when I put it on. So I'm going to go with that, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood best show for me <laughs> and welcome back uh we took a little bit of a break uh inside baseball spoiler alert it is now a couple days later um that was a long recording that we were doing and so we have decided to split up our recordings into a couple of days not that that matters for your listening pleasure so we are moving <laughs> forward and we are going to trudge along to number one and I am going to kick off uh, the number one spot. Uh, before we do, I just want to once again thank uh, everyone who sent in some submissions. Uh, they've all been fantastic. I've shared them with Alex and Tiffany, and uh, now you've all heard them at this point. And uh, every everybody who has sent them in, uh, they were all perfect and fantastic. And uh, it means a lot to us that you would take time out of your day to send us a little bit of audio love. And thank you very much for that. Yeah, it was and phenomenal. anybody. Anybody that didn't send one in, I hate you, and you're no longer my friend. Wow, that's a lot of pressure. Not even pressure. That's that, yeah, that's wow, that's rough. I didn't send I, one in. I Alex. mean, it's Am incredibly I no longer rude, your friend. I'm I'm incredibly rude, but that's like my I'm I'm the rude guy on the podcast. I have to stick to my guns. Should I send one in? Should I record uh, <laughs> a two minute segment of me talking about what I'm about to talk about, and then no, we can just put it no. at the very beginning? No, you sent five in by being on this podcast i guess technically that makes sense yeah. fair enough okay so once again thank you very much and moving on to our number ones so my number one show is not a surprise to anybody who has known me for an extended period of time specifically it's not a surprise to people who knew me growing up uh growing up growing up bleh, speaking out of my english mouth um <laughs> it is that 70s show, a show which aired from August 23rd, 1998 to May 18th, 2006. This was the very first show that I like fell in love with at a point when I knew what TV was and how TV aired. There was like times before this when like a good example would be like Dragon Ball Z. Like I would catch an episode of Dragon Ball Z here and there, but or it was like along the lines of like uh, Power Rangers or things like that, where it was air airing every single day. But I there was no concept for me of uh, appointment TV or, or watching it every day um, something, or watching it every, once a week. Um, a very specific memory that I have of TV like this is actually Buffy the Vampire Slayer where I caught an episode um, randomly one week on, on just 
a Thursday night or something. And I was like, this is so cool. I've never seen a show like this before. It's a girl fighting vampires. I love this. And I, the next day at seven o'clock, I turned on my TV and I went to that channel and it was not playing. And I had no idea what was going on or how to find the show. And then, so by the time the next week rolled around, I had just completely forgotten about it because you right. know, the idea of like a new show comes out once a week was completely foreign to me. Um, but that 70s show is the first show that I ever really like, fell in love with to the point where I was making sure I was watching it live every every week. Um, for those who don't know, That 70s Show is a sitcom about a group of friends in Point Place, Wisconsin, which takes place in the 70s. Um, so at the time of it airing, it was 20 years removed, which is crazy to think about now because at this point, if they made a That Whatever's show, it'd be That 2000s show because 2000 was 20 years ago. So put that in perspective, which blows my mind. But at the time when it started airing, I was like, I was in seventh grade, I think, when I first started watching it. So it was like during its second season. So that was completely a foreign time for me. And something else I think I've talked about already on the show that I, I watched a lot of this stuff are some shows with my father, Twilight Zone specifically. This is a show that my father also fell in love with. So it's it's a comedy. So it was around the era that he had grown up in to an extent. Like he was, uh, he went to high school in the 70s. So him, uh, he liked the show for a different reason than I did. But we were both like bonding over it, which was fun. And it is in, at the time, it was an absolutely hysterical show. And I would like just crack up every week and all of a lot of my friends were into it. And so we would like talk about it at school and just like make like incredibly like rude and terrible jokes to each other based on it. And it was just such a fun experience uh, watching that show live. And then growing up upon like reflecting on it, I really liked the characters. I love like Donna and Eric's relationship for the first um, like half of the show is really nice. Um, and like all of the Kelso has like some hysterical jokes. Um, Fez is a really interesting and funny character and Hyde who I hated when I was younger. I really, um, appreciated more growing up. However, this does lead me into, um, the elephant in the room regarding the show and specifically Hyde, which is obviously that the, the actor who plays Hyde has had some, horrible allegations there's still allegations at this point i believe uh levied at him and which has caused him to be removed from other tv shows he was on and he's basically like no longer working which is good because it sounds like he was a terrible gross human being which slightly does color um my enjoyment of the show but it's something where i'm actively trying to at least in this case like remove the art from the artist and it, I, it is not i'm not letting it like taint or tarnish my memories of this show because like I said, I have very, very, very positive uh, feelings uh, associated with this show. I, I absolutely love it and adore it. And it was, um, like I said, it was a little bit more mature than the other types of shows I'd been watching. Some of the jokes, um, there's a lot of like drug referential humor that like we were like, oh my God, they're, they're talking about drugs and stuff like that. And it's like for seventh eighth graders it was like a little bit scandalous we knew it was more mature than what we should be uh dealing with and obviously it's dealing with like you know teenager issues because the characters were a, a little bit older than we were but it's almost like when you're i think that there's this like phenomenon or this like a uh, theory where when you're you know pre-high school you want to watch shows about high school because 
that's kind of like what you project your high school experience is going to be or like you're kind of looking up you don't want to watch people your same age you want to watch people slightly older at least i think as you're growing up it's some like psychological thing i i believe i had heard about that at one point but anyways i believe you i love that 70s show it is uh my absolute i still think it's my absolute favorite show of all time even though it it does not hold up it is well it holds up it's still funny but like it's a very dated sense of humor and not just because it's based on in the 70s um <laughs> for i know we've talked about this briefly but uh my favorite um episode is season three episode 13 uh, dine and dash it is an episode Ooh, it's a fantastic one it is an yeah. episode where um the entire kelso uh gets some money from his aunt and he takes everybody out for a, a, a dinner at a very nice expensive restaurant kelso has no intention of paying for it and so the rest of the episode is a domino effect of everyone in the group slowly coming to the terms they have to be dining and dashing and then the, mm -hmm. the capper of the episode the the specific ending like sequence of jokes is a fucking gut buster like it, it you're, you're laughing for like four or five minutes straight it's so good but my favorite joke actually comes from earlier in that season um season three episode six eric's panties uh and it's the 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 last joke in that episode i don't want to give it away but the last joke in that episode is like it's it plays on everything that you've known about this show from like the last couple of seasons, because if you just watched like this episode, it wouldn't super work, but like it has to do with like Midge who is Donna's mother and just like Kelso and Fez's reaction to something that she does and says it is, it is beautiful. And it's just like it, it, every time I watch it, I have to, I have to pause the episode because I'm just, I laugh so hard. Uh, this is my favorite show. I think maybe still, <laughs> Who knows? It's impossible to tell. Like I said, there's it's mildly problematic, but I still love it. It holds a really, really special place in my heart. Yeah, I um, I don't know that I've ever seen every episode of that '70s show because I mostly experienced it through my mom, who was obsessed with it and watched it weekly. I think for the same reasons that you talked about with your dad, like mm -hmm. when she was a little older um like when during the 70s she would have been ending ending high school in the early 70s and going right into college so she would have been like college age at the time but mm -hmm. i think it's a lot of the themes still hold true yeah. i red foreman reminds me so much of her father so i think that she probably saw some some comedy there um there was a lot that probably still holds true no matter just growing up in the seventies in general. But yeah, red is I, the character. Remember, my dad, uh, red is the character. My dad connected with the most as well. He absolutely yeah. loved him. I remember, uh, just, we would watch it together every once in a while. I, because I was probably, I guess in like fifth or sixth grade. So I wasn't really into that sort of, I wasn't really into sitcoms in general. I was more doing anime and cartoons still. So I was watching DBZ or Cowboy Bebop, like we've, like we've talked about, but I wasn't quite getting into watching modern sitcoms, mostly with my mom. I would watch like I Love Lucy, which we've already talked about, Twilight Zone. 
but this was one that she really got into this and weirdly enough the nanny were the two that were in like the 90s that she was big into so i would watch them with her whenever i felt like spending time with my mom so i caught like every couple weeks i would catch an episode and i thought the show was hilarious but a lot of the humor and stuff went over my head so i didn't really feel like i was getting everything out of it but i felt like i was learning a lot especially like my dad would come in and he taught me who tommy chong and cheech and chong are because tommy chong's on the show and i was just like oh cool and then because of that 70s show my dad ended up making me watch up in smoke not immediately after like watching the show for the first time but it kind of became a bonding point for both of my parents and I to expose me to things that were prevalent in the 70s and I think that's a really interesting thing to think about for the effect of just a modern sitcom uh, because of the time period it was chosen to be set in and how that speaks to a certain generation as well ended up going back and eventually watching the whole show and i liked it like Mm -hmm. there are definitely really strong seasons towards the beginning like i think season three really stands out and then towards the later seasons there are a couple of weird outliers where you're just like oh this is not very good but as a whole the show is very funny yeah season six seven and eight are rough um they specifically make weird choices with like eric and uh eric eventually leaves the show and he's like the main heart of the show so once him and kelso leave it it really takes a nosedive they're still not bad um to uh before i forget um uh, my dad also got me a uh, Cheech and Chong movie after watching this as well. Uh, th- that type of thing. Like he was like, here, this is Tommy Chong. He's been like this his whole life. It's really funny. Yep. Um, but so speaking to the the end of the the, ser- the season, like the series, it, it is still rough and not that great. But I remember distinctly one time, Tiffany, uh, you had caught an episode on TV and you were like, oh, my God, th- it was it was incredibly funny. It was really good. And you told me which one it was. And I was like, oh, that's from season eight. That's from the bad season. <laughs> yep. It was something with the only thing I remember. It was something with Eric getting caught, like masturbating. I think. <laughs> oh, I that's think that's what. It oh, was. that's what it was. Yeah, that's from. I think that might be from season I, seven. I think that's what it was, and it was just so awkward, but so funny. Donna catches him masturbating. Masturbation had, is always funny. Yes, it is. But we like we hadn't been dating that long and it's one of those things like when you start dating someone you're like oh i'm gonna like all the stuff that they like i want to know what they do um so I, it was on and i i caught it and i ended up laughing a lot <laughs> yeah it, it was it was absolutely funny and like um like you were saying alex to the point where like a lot of it went over your head i remember the moment when someone pointed out they were like there's smoke in the background every time they do a circle and like that like light bulb that clicked and went off it was like oh i get it because like it took me like at least a year or two before i figured out what that actually meant um yeah and so going also speaking to the point where i was saying this is like one of the first shows i watched week to week i remember when this show ended and this was the very first show to me where there was an actual like ending series finale this is it we're gonna we're gonna sit down we're gonna watch it i mean i've done that with 
a bunch of shows since then the office parks right. and rec um we did it with uh how i met your mother that type of stuff like our uh not even dexter but like game of thrones there's a bunch of a bunch of tv shows that i have seen end since this but this was my yeah. first one and um i was in college i think it ended my freshman year of college 2006 um and so i like i remember coming home and watching it with my dad it was like it was a very important and big moment for me. And because um, Eric had been off the show for that season, I was still watching it while I was in school, but Eric had been off the show for that season. So it was, uh, it was a big deal that he was coming back for the season finale, which like the season finale series finale did everything correct. It like righted all of the wrongs of the past season, which I know we've already talked about on here with the office um, with how that can make such like that can have such a positive impact on your overall thoughts of a show and they, they damn, they stuck the, the landing and it made me super happy. And this is like one of those shows that I know they don't really do this this much anymore, but I would love to see like a reunion or because all the majority of the cast um, are still like really good friends to the point where they're like posting, they post pictures with each other and stuff like that all the time. And it like makes me really sad that uh, they haven't yeah. done anything with it yet. I, uh, yeah, this conversation has made me think a lot about like because <laughs> you're talking about like the first time you recognized the difference between like kids television and adult television in terms of like for me kids television I get home from school every day I watch Pokemon so if I catch anything any other time I assume it's going to be every day at that time yep and I started thinking like when did I make that denotation between kids television and like not necessarily adult television, but weekly television. And I have no idea. I cannot figure out when I figured that out. It might've been like TGIF. That oh, might've that been when sense. I started Ooh, to be like, yeah. like with Boy Meets World and yep, Sabrina. Yep. You know, I'm, uh, I'm mediumly lying because I definitely had like SNCC. Like I was definitely, I remember SNCC being appointment television for me growing yeah. up. Like, are you afraid of the dark? And Clarissa explains it all. Ooh, what about all that? Yeah, all that uh, I liked all that as well. I, I liked all that, but I would never watch the musical guest. Musical yeah. guest. Ooh, yeah. Same. Musical guest Coolio. <laughs> I remember I I'm liked like, it when uh, it was the Backstreet Boys. That was fun. I'm like, I'm eleven. I don't know who Coolio is. Ah, <laughs> uh, here it goes. He sings Gangsta Paradise. Yeah. He sings the introduction. I didn't know that. He sings the Keenan and Kel theme song. That's all you yeah, need to know, know about him. That's true. That's true. Who loves orange soda? <laughs> Kale loves orange soda. Weird side tangent. In yes. first grade, I had an orange soda club with my friends where I would I would pretend to be Kel from Keenan and Kel. Sounds about right. Was Keenan, it, that was it. And was then, it Orange Crush or Sunkiss? No, Which one you don't like? We didn't actually drink soda. We just pretended to be Kel from Keenan and Kel and like talk about how great orange soda was which maybe speaks to why i'm obsessed with sun kiss that's fantastic crush is disgusting makes a lot of sense Um, fanta orange fanta speaking of like not having like you know a a weekly appointment television this that 70s show was also like constantly in syndication you like yes there was a point when you would come home and you would turn on a tv and like you it was on like three channels at once at one point it was everywhere um and so i think that really aided in my love of the show as well because every day i was watching like four or five episodes it was the first piece of media that i bought a full season on dvd of i still have it um it's like this this show just like is 
a weird encapsulation of everything I love about like TV media and like being a fan of something. It mean, this show in? means a lot to me. Can I jump in? I remember when we started dating and your dad used to call you Kelso. Yep. It, he's, yeah, he still does occasionally. <laughs> yeah. was, because he thought I was dumb like Kelso. He doesn't love oh, me. You're, you're not dumb. I just thought of that, like, just thinking about how, like, when I think of you, like, that would be one of the, or, or when, like, think of you, like, when we started dating, that would mm-hmm. be one of the things that I would, like, immediately pull out and be like, oh, that 70s show. Like, that, I would immediately associate the two. And I didn't really watch it, but just knowing how important it was to you, like, it, it, weirdly permeated like my life in some ways so i think it's really cool it was definitely a very big and important part of my life and while i don't watch it as much anymore mm-hmm. um i do still occasionally put it on a, a random episode here and there there is uh, i have watched this show so much that um i noticed something weird when i i was catching it on cable at one point i think like comedy central or something was airing it <laughs> and i was like oh that's somebody's show this will kill a half an hour while i'm waiting for something or before I go do something else and I put it on and it just, it sounded off. Like it sounded like everyone was just like speaking a little bit higher pitched or it, it just wasn't how I remembered it. And I was like, that's really strange. And then like a couple of weeks later or months later at this point, I, I saw this article about how certain um, cable companies are now speeding up shows by like one to 2% to the point where they're doing it so they can fit in an extra commercial um, between uh, like while you're watching it. And I had no idea about this, but I had seen that 70 show enough to just know that something was wrong with it. Like I know I I'm just like obsessed with the show. I, I know like all the timings for all the jokes, at least for the first like five, six seasons. Like I know all the timings I know all the deliveries. I know how things should go and it was wrong and it pissed me off. I've had that experience with music on the radio where I've listened to a song so much that, and I'm not talking about like radio edits where they edit, where I'm like, this song sounds faster than it. And I'm talking like back when I was listening to like NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys and like that type of pop stuff. But there would be times where I'm like, this song is playing like a fraction of a second faster than I know it. And that's probably why it was probably to fit in more songs in a block of um, or or squeeze songs in 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 a block of time so they could put more commercials in. And that yeah. makes sense. And you just blew my mind. I, it, it blew I, my mind. The, the first show that I noticed that with was Friends when it was airing on like TBS or something. I was like, why does this sound so weird? Yeah. Because that was that was kind of my show growing up that I would just constantly watch and watch week to week. and. I think I don't think I ever bought the DVDs, but my sister owned all the DVDs, so I would watch them constantly. I remember the first commercial I ever saw for that '70s show. It was it was a commercial for the episode where Kelso and Jackie have broken up, and Kelso's singing a song, and he goes, "Jackie, please take me backy," and it was like. On the next episode of that 70s show, Kelso's singing the blues. And then he sung that. And that has stuck with me my entire life. I wow. do not know why. This show is really good. I really enjoy it. Um, I would highly yeah. recommend it. At least the first like four the first yeah. four seasons are 
so fantastic. Like this show hits the ground running and like it is a lot of shows take a little while to get going. This one is like the characters are fully formed by like episode two. They're like crystallized defined. It's really, really impressive. It looked wow. like you were going to say something, Tiffany. So I was um, just a fun fact that Ashton Kutcher and I share the same birthday. Ooh, as nice. does James Spader. Now everyone knows your birthday. February 7th, <laughs> bitches! Get those Woo-hoo! cards in the mail. Send them now. <laughs> I was very happy when um, Aston Kutcher and Mila Kunis got married in real life. And mm-hmm. there's no reason for me to be because I should not be invested in the lives of celebrities. But they were both on that 70s show. And so they have my undying <laughs> loyalty. I love that. That's part of why we went to go see Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Was because it was like one of Mila Kunis's first starring roles. Yep, that's right. And that's like the best that. movie of all time at this point. So you know, so I now I did not put that on my top movies list, and I regret it. I don't know. Uh, you said you regretted it, and then we read to you your top ten, and you were like, "No, I stand by that." I do, but like every time I think about it, I'm like, "How did this not make it?" That's for another day. I mean, it happens sometimes. Yeah. You just when you're asked to put a specific number of things in you have to leave out other things that you love that's hard it's very true it's too hard so that's my number one that 70s show thank you very much for listening goodbye this has been the episode we're done (laughs) i would i would hate to have to follow that yeah my number one show (laughs) is firefly right yes was that what i yes Yes, it is Sorry, that was me trying to remember because I don't have the document up in front of me. My favorite show is Firefly, and I'm very passionate about it, just like Dwight is about that 70s show. Oh, God. I, I, I honestly don't remember the first time I saw Firefly. I know I didn't watch it when it first... Well, I caught some of the episodes when it first aired. Really? But I That's awesome. Start, I didn't start watching it from the beginning so i didn't catch the pilot but i caught a couple of the later episodes wasn't the pilot like the last episode aired or something stupid uh, like that anyways no they, they aired it way out of order regardless they, they aired it way out of order i believe uh, i don't remember the uh, airing order off the top of my head but i never watched the pilot until way later i was just like what is this show now i'm gonna look it up because Same. I want to know. December twentieth was was the pilot. Yeah, because it, it started in like September of twenty two thousand two two thousand one two thousand two thousand two. Okay, so December twentieth was the pilot. Yeah. Way way later than September. Yeah, uh, they aired the pilot yeah. after after Objects in Space, and they did, they didn't even air all of the episodes, right? Yeah, the the last Yeah, so the pilot was episodes, the last episode. <laughs> I think the last three episodes, other than Objects in Space, never aired. I think it was Trash, The Message, and Heart of Gold. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so the, yeah, according to this then, the pilot was the last episode aired. Okay. What? Well the the <laughs> the ones that I remember were from watching live on TV were Out of Gas, which felt like a pilot when I watched it. I remember watching Out of Gas. I remember watching our Mrs. Reynolds. Uh, and I think I remember watching War Stories. I think those three I caught. But overall, I didn't really watch it when it originally aired. Is really the point of this. 
I later ended up binging it when my brother bought the DVD box set and we watched all of it in like one sitting. And I remember watching it and just being like, wow, because I had already seen Cowboy View up. I was just like, wow, this is really similar to Cowboy Bebop in a lot of ways. It's it's about space smugglers, not really bounty hunters, but it's kind of a space western about these people trying to make ends meet living in space in a world that's ruled by a like galactic government that is kind of totalitarian and there's a resistance and uh, it reminded me a lot of Cowboy Bebop but it had more going for it in terms of the world building because of the hour-long format I guess I I didn't do the the brief pitch where we taught say for those of you who don't know uh I almost said Cowboy Bebop Firefly (laughs) is a show that aired in 2002 uh there were 14 episodes only 11 of them aired and it's a Joss Whedon sci-fi space dramedy, I guess. It's definitely a drama and a comedy at times. Some episodes are way funnier than others, but every episode has a little comedy mixed in with the drama. But it's about a crew of this ship called Serenity, uh, a Firefly-class ship, and it's about the crew and their adventures through space. Uh, that's really the best way to describe it. I, when I first watched it with my brother, I just remember thinking like, this show's amazing. And I had seen a good deal of Buffy because my sister was obsessed with it. So I'd seen a good deal of it through my sister. That's kind of how I, mm-hmm. as a kid, like uh, absorbed media was through my siblings. It wasn't, I didn't really do much for myself. It was really because I had two older siblings. I would just do whatever they did. I remember seeing Pulp Fiction way too early because my brother was watching it. And I was just like, well, if my brother's watching it, I'm going to watch it. And so, like, I I had seen Buffy. So I was aware of Joss Whedon. And I remember liking it. So I was like, okay, this is Joss Whedon. And I watched it. And I loved it. And then... I started to just constantly rewatch it. I would rewatch it every, all 14 episodes, every like month or two. I would just always want to be watching it. And then I found out that there was a movie coming out and I was like, oh my God, a movie? And that was when they released Serenity, which is the name of the movie. And I saw that in theaters with my brother because I was, I was 17 and my brother, it was weird because my brother didn't want to hang out with me between the ages of like when I was like 10 and 14, 15. But once I was 17, that's when he deemed like, okay, you're allowed to hang out with me. So we saw a bunch of movies in theaters around that time, like V for Vendetta, Serenity, uh, Hot Fuzz. I think we saw all three of those movies within a year of each other and i remember seeing serenity and just being like wow 
this is this just feels like a really long episode of Firefly. And I was so happy that there was just more Firefly. And that's when they started to talk about more going into more mediums. So they started doing comic books. Uh, they started doing novels, but really the novels have really been happening in the last couple of years. I've read three novels in the universe in the last two years, I think. And I just, I love that my love of the show it has spread out so much. And I think that's why I keep coming back to watch the show because I can keep consuming it and living in the universe, no matter where I want to go, what medium I want to go to. So I've got the TV show, I've got the movie, I've got a bunch of novels and I've got a bunch of comic books. It's like, it's hitting all of my, my love spots. That sounds, that sounds weird. <laughs> Uh, I remember the first time I ever saw anything related to Firefly was um, it was my freshman year of college and I had come home for it was probably Thanksgiving break and I got together with um, my wedding party. It was myself, Brian, John and Jason and we were at Brian's house and we were having a game night. We were playing games and the way that those usually worked was we would play GameCube or N64 or something that had four players. And then uh, we would always like cap it off with some movies. And Brian was like, hey, I saw this awesome movie at school and you should all watch it. And it was Serenity. So my first entrance into this universe was the very last piece of media at that point. Like the, they didn't know if it was going to go any further. It was like, it was a, a shot. It, it was a, a big deal. A uh, big damn hero deal that they had even gotten the movie. Like it was like an impossible movie to make. Like failed TV shows do not get multi-million dollar movies made out of them. Um, right. And so that was my first entrance into this. It was the definitive end at the point, and we loved it. Like it was, it was so great. And Brian was like, "There's a TV show here. Watch it." And I um, prom promptly found it and devoured it. And have been in love with it ever since. I haven't watched it in a couple of years, but it, it was for a while. Like I, it was like I would come home from college and like I'm watching Firefly. Like start of summer break was Firefly time. Yep, it's so good. I I I didn't talk about. We kind of touched on it, but I didn't talk about a. This is a one season show. It got canceled before the first season even ended airing it's 14 episodes long but what they did was they aired it out of order for some reason which uh, really detracted because audiences couldn't really follow along because when the episodes are in order characters are slowly introduced and slowly fleshed out but if you start with you know not the first episode you're kind of confused so it immediately lost audiences so it got canceled before it was even finished airing. They didn't air all the episodes because of it. So it really ended up getting a cult following after the DVDs were released or the home video release. I think DVDs was the, yeah. the medium at the time. Uh, it was just after VHS had kind of died. I, th I bet it was probably still released on VHS some places, but. I I think that's when it really 
gained its like cult status with the DVD release, and that's what made people demand a movie. Tiffany. Sorry. Nope. It was the wrong Firefly on VHS, but it does say Wikipedia tells me it was released on VHS. Yeah, I'm I'm not surprised because I remember yeah. buying I was buying Dragon Ball Z VHSs in like 2000. This says yeah, so, 2005, yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if this show exists on VHS somewhere. Serenity probably got it. a VHS release. Like it was probably Maybe. one of the last things that did, but I wouldn't be shocked. Uh, I wonder if I can find it on Laserdisc. Um, can't stop the signal. I remember that now. What was uh, I? <laughs> what was I saying? Uh, but yeah, so it got this like cult status, and everybody talked about it, and everybody was demanding, kind of like with Arrested Development, where once it got canceled, everyone was like, "We need more of this," and the whole cast was on board, and Joss Whedon was on board, but. They couldn't get anybody to pick them up to do more show. And then eventually there was a deal in place to do a movie. Yeah. And somehow they got like a huge budget movie. It was, it is a pretty movie. I, I really, oh, yeah. really enjoy the movie. It's really well done. And it it's a fitting like capper to the series to a certain degree. I, I, there has been some stuff in the universe that took place after the movie, but for the most part, everything takes place before the movie. All the comics are after it, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Not all the comics. The most majority of the, comics. of the comics are. Most of the comics are after it. Um, a handful of them are before it, and some of them actually take place during it, which is weird. Uh, and then the books, most of them take place before the movie during like during the show time some of them even before the show which is interesting that has to be rough because i think the show to the movie can't in 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 universe it's only like nine months i think it's some it's something like it's under a year uh the amount of time they're actually like before the whole thing with the movie happens yeah it's it's really interesting i i love the show it's one of those things that i just I have bought it, I don't know, three times on on DVD and then DVD or Blu-ray and then Blu-ray again. I own it on Blu-ray twice and I couldn't tell you why. I think there was a special I think I edition a that came out. I think I bought like a collector's special edition uh, that came out like three or four years ago that just mm-hmm. has more commentaries and special features and shit like that, which on shows like cowboy bebop especially cowboy bebop and uh firefly i've watched all the commentaries multiple times because i just love it it's just it's so good and it in enhances my love of the show by knowing more about it it's one of the things about me that i've always liked about like when i when i consume media i want to know everything (laughs) And the things with more things to consume, the better. <laughs> Can I jump in now? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think Firefly was the first, or it might be the first, like, really, like, nerdy thing that I watched. Um, well, actually, it was Serenity. And I saw the movie first, and I fucking hated it. 
Dwight can attest because I was at his house. I was like, I don't understand this. I made this my is... whole family watch it. Like it was before I owned the owned any of it, and we were like looking for a movie to rent, and I was like, this movie's great. Let's watch this one, and it was a giant fucking mistake. It was <laughs> so terrible, and like for so long, I was like, I f- I'm not watching it. I don't care, and. and you know, if you know me, I'm very much a person. Like the more you tell me, like, oh, you would like this. I think this is where my stem of like not wanting people to recommend stuff to me comes from. I'm like, no, like no. <laughs> and I remember Dwight specifically being like, "All right, we'll watch the first half of the pilot. It's two episodes. If we don't like it after the first part, we don't have to watch it again, and I'll never bring it up." And I was like, "Fine, I'll fucking watch it." And I remember you like turning to me, like we watch it. And I remember you turning to me after the first episode. And I was like, let's keep going. <laughs> Do you want to watch more? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was this first, one of the first times I remember like seeing, like, like you said, something nerdy, something sci-fi-y that was kind of out of my wheelhouse. But also one of the first times I remember seeing really, really strong female characters in an environment mm-hmm. like that. Um, so I think that's what kind of helped ease me into it. It's like you have this sci-fi world and you have, you know, all this stuff happening, but then you have these, these women who are really intelligent and are adding to the cast and have character traits and they're fleshed out and they feel like real people. Um, and it doesn't hurt that Nathan Fillion is a very beautiful man. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> this this show was what made me fall in love with Nathan yeah. Fillion, and Same. now I'll yep. literally watch anything that he's a part of. Like I'm watching The Rookie, which isn't <laughs> isn't as bad of a show as I was expecting it to be, but it's not a great show. But holy shit, I'll watch literally anything with Nathan Fillion. I watched like nine seasons or whatever of Castle, and have you seen White Noise like, too? Only like three of them were good, <laughs> but yeah, I'll. I'll I'll, there. I went through a point in time where I would just go through IMDb and just be like, "What has Nathan Fillion been in?" And I'll watch it. Yeah. Um. And, but more than that, I think one of the the drawing points for me, because you know, just like Tiffany, I love characters, and <laughs> never gonna every, live that down. <laughs> every every member of the crew has such a unique yeah. character and a fleshed out character. They are, um, I know Dwight and I have talked about this in terms of, we talked about it with Paper Girls before. I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but like the first issue of Paper Girls, we knew who each character was, what their personality was, and it was really, it made it easy to love them and Mm -hmm. move forward with them Mm -hmm. because they were distinguishable from, from each other and very unique and enjoyable. And that the firefly does the same thing it it has a not quite two hour pilot it's like an hour and a half because it's two two episodes two hour long episodes which are like 45 minutes a piece and at the end of it you know each member of the crew you know like where they fit into the crew in terms of personality or like character alignment quote unquote um and you understand the, the pecking order you you like most of them to a certain degree some of them are harder to like uh i've found or from talking to people i find them all easy to like but i know some people find some harder to like than others um like does that have anything who? to do with like the outside influence uh, of people? no no i just um i've heard 
and this is just from the pilot. Like, okay. Usually, usually people will learn to love somebody later on, but yeah. a lot of people don't really like Simon from the first episode and start okay. to like him more later as they develop the relationship with Summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can see that Summer. he's kind of he's kind Jesus of Jesus Christ, Summer sort of. Active. I was gonna say you River. Call- River. 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 He's kind of antagonistic in the pilot, so I can yeah. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, but like all the characters and. Like, I make fun of Tiffany for having said I like characters, but I like characters. And that's usually my driving force when I like a show because the characters are fleshed out and enjoyable. And it doesn't really matter what they're doing. I just want to see them do something. And that's what Firefly is for me. It's, I could literally watch uh, Captain Malcolm Reynolds eat a bowl of shit for 30 minutes and I would be on fucking board. And that is a big reason why when I watched Serenity, I didn't get it and I didn't like it and I hated it because I hadn't had a chance to be with these characters and, and kind of get to know them over the course of the show. Right. And there's a big, like the movie on its own is fine and I can see why people would like it without having any exposure to the show. But like for me, as a person who is attached to characters, I needed that show to go oh okay I understand why this is important and then like you know the second time around watching the movie like just sobbing like it it was such a different experience from the first time I watched it to the second time because you have that connection with the characters from the pilot like from the word go it's like okay I'm in yeah I think this is where I say my favorite show favorite episode Episode? uh my favorite episode there's a clear answer for me is out of gas there we go it is it to me, it's always stood out as the best episode of the show, but I think I think best episode of the show is harder to pick than worst episode of the show, because I think there's clearly a worst episode, but the best episode of the show is, uh, all the episodes are great, except for one. I, I hope you're not going to say Objects in Space, because I think Objects oh, no, in Space... No, that's one of my favorites. I was going to say, Objects in Space was my least favorite for a long time, but it was like, oh. upon reviewing it, I really liked it. Oh, Worst. I, I, I like to... One of my one of my favorite quotes to quote from the show is, am I a lion? I've never really thought, about my, I've thought of myself as a lion, but I do have a mighty roar. Uh, I'm trying to think here. Um, it's because somebody says, "Are you alliance?" and he goes, "Am I alliance?" No, I'm, I'm looking early, at, man. I, yeah, I, I'm looking at the list of the. I'm just letting you talk. I'm looking at the list of the episodes oh. to try and figure out which one. Tiffany bad looked one. at me like I was crazy. Which I is don't really... remember anything from any of the episodes. Like I can tell you story arcs and moments and things, but I can't. Just like always, I can't remember specific in, episodes. In terms of episodes, there are is it Heart um, of Gold. So, yeah, Heart of Gold is I was going to say, one. that one, it's, I, don't, I remember not like that one very much. It's the Hooker episode that is just very, very generic. It's about hookers with the hearts of gold, which is why oh, like it's called Heart, Heart of Gold. I get it. But when it, this show has so many great episodes, and like Out of Gas is my favorite, but Janestown is a lot of other people's favorites, which is a very comedic episode, mm-hmm. which I can understand why that would be people's favorites because it's very different than Out of Gas, which is very character-driven and dramatic. Uh, but also you have War Stories, which is a very dramatic story with a, some really dark comedy mixed in. Uh, 
and then the pilot is amazing and objects in space i just i love this show tiffany what what's the one where kaylee goes to the ball shindig that's the one i was going to talk about shindig that one's fantastic that one always jumps out at me as something that i remember specifically because she's all pretty in her dress and her parasol that one's where there's like a three-story arc that starts there with the with the shipping of the cows yeah uh, like a couple episodes like the cows is like a through line with that one yeah it's like shindig shindig bushwhacked and space all or space um safe all happen back to back that those are connected Uh, episodes well bushwhack comes first so it's bushwhacked shindig safe and the parasol is just her generic like prop i always for some reason feel like she had it in this episode but it's just her her fluffy dress that she has yeah i love mal's little joke string at the end of that episode we're like i'm a good man well i'm a great man i'm a great man i'm a good man well i'm okay that one's fantastic (laughs) um i also so you were you were mentioning um war stories i think it was the commentary on that one where which gives that like a a another layer of like sadness is because that's the episode when they found out that they were canceled um and then at the end of the episode there's a funeral for a character and like the way that they're like all the characters are crying in it and like joss whedon was saying on the commentary was like that was when we found out that the show was canceled so it was like we were having a funeral for our show and that's like a whole nother layer of that is that the message Maybe I'm thinking of the message. Uh, yeah, there's no funeral at the end of Sorry, War Stories. Sorry, okay, I'm thinking there's, of the message then. The message. There's a funeral at the end of the message. That's the one. That's the one. Might be. Yeah. War Stories is the it's one okay. where, where Mal and Wash get kidnapped, correct? Yes, yes. Yeah. Sorry, I take that back. Message. Yeah. That message. one's cool. Yeah. The message is where uh, Jane gets his signature hat. <laughs> From his mom, which yeah. is nice. Aww. And Vera. Ah, that show's so good. I love it's that such show. a good show. We gotta I, rewatch it. We do. We I, don't own I, it on DVD, or we don't own it on I, Blu-ray. You were saying that you bought it like six times, Alex. There was a point where, um, in one house that we were living in, we had three copies of it because it was my my copy, Tiffany's copy, and Brian's copy. And I think nice. we had like three versions of Serenity as well, because I'd owned the regular one and I bought the special edition, and then Brian right. had his. So obviously, yeah. I mean, this was, all makes sense to me. N- none of this is out of out of uh, yeah out of the ordinary. None, None of this seems weird. I own, th- I think I own three copies of Cowboy Bebop as well. I didn't talk about that when we talked about Bebop, but nice. I, back when Cowboy Bebop was coming out on DVD, they they released one DVD at a time, and each DVD had like three episodes on it. This was before they just anime back. Anime sucked in back yeah. in the day. Like it was the well, hardest to be a fan of it. This was before they released like box sets of shit. So I had to individually buy the discs for Cowboy Bebop which was like six or seven discs or something. And then eventually like, a box set came out, which yeah, the, I then and They were bought. like 30 bucks a pop too, right? Yep. They were yeah. so expensive. I mean, not not to go way, way off topic, but I was buying like, I have like 30 or 40 VHSs of DBZ with two or three episodes on each one. And they're like 25, seven. they were like 25 bucks a piece too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. They were expensive. I bought them at uh, Suncoast Video. I bought. Oh my god. I, I bought uh, a Dragon Ball Z videotape specifically to get the Dragon Ball Z Goku Level Four uh, Dragon Ball Z card game card. Yeah, from it. yeah. Of course you did. I have so many DBZ cards, man. But Firefly. Yes. 
it's right. great um it's amazing if you haven't seen it you should watch it if you want to i don't know <laughs> I, don't, I don't i don't know how to end these things uh, uh well how, uh, how yeah. do we transition into uh speaking of shows that are funny and also sad at times alex didn't you wish that you had worked on firefly what would it have been like to have possibly worked been on that set of your absolute favorite show imagine working on one of your favorite shows ever i hate you walking a dog tiffany what is your number one favorite show now when you put it like this it almost it 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 sounds weird um my i don't think it sounds weird it sounds weird when you put the context into it um my favorite show is scrubs (laughs) this is where i've landed um although i did say last episode i think my favorite show is the office but scrubs is the show i think i'm most connected to um whatever tomato tomato (laughs) um scrubs is for for this episode scrubs is my number one it is, um, God, it's, I'm, I got the Wikipedia page up so I can pull up my dates, but it is, a a medical show, but it, it was more comedy based than, um, I don't think there was any other comedy based medical shows on at the time. And I don't think like what Doogie Hauser, like it, it feels like it was, <laughs> You know what I mean? It feels so unique because it was, there's so many medical dramas um, that exist even today. It's just something that's really easy to make. Just like there's so many like law and order and and crime dramas. So Scrubs is really unique in that it was uh, set in a hospital, a teaching hospital specifically, and it was really focused on comedy. Um, So it started airing in 2001 this is what the internet tells me. And it uh, aired through 2010. It had nine seasons and stars Zach Braff as uh, JD and uh, Donald Faison. Um, who else was on the show? Sarah Chalk, John C. McGinley. It, it, like this cast is amazing. But but the the thing about this show was it was funny. It was well written, but it also had these like really, really dramatic moments um you start with these characters when they're like day one of of their like i don't know what i forget what it's called but they're they're um i think they're, I think they're interns at first it's, it's not they're their residency not, they're not is it not their residency but they're they're still in med school it's like they're day one like in the hospital like the first time they've they've been in a hospital so you are with these characters from like the moment they start um through you know the end where they're basically the doctors running the hospital in in some way um it's just like i don't even know where to start because it's you know it's nine seasons of just like episodes that make you laugh and episodes that make you cry and just just everything in between and there's just this growth in the relationships that develop and like i don't even know um but the cool thing about scrubs is uh when i was in college uh one of the things that we had to do for um our program was we had to do an internship and in the late not late 2000s early 2000s it was like all internships were unpaid they were shitty like you were just this is back before interns had like rights (laughs) um but i remember 
sitting in like my interview because you had to have this interview and you show your resume and it was like where do you want to go for your internship and I'm like I want to go to LA okay and I remember being given on a freaking scrap of paper I probably still have it like the phone number for one of the producers and um it was like call this guy up and I was like okay um and I had an interview, I got the internship, Dwight and I went to LA, and like, there I am on, it was season nine, so it wasn't the real set of Scrubs, but like, I was there with like, these people who had worked on this show for a decade, and like, day two of my internship, we're like, walking around, and they're shooting stuff, and like, Zach Braff comes over to me, and is like, hi, who are you? And I'm like, Tiffany the intern holy fucking shit, it's Zach Braff. Um, and it was just such a really, really cool experience to be part of a show that now, 10 years later, I'm talking about on my podcast where I'm talking about it as my favorite show. Um, so I feel so connected to just every part of it. Like, every, like the cast, the crew, like there are things that like, if I watch certain episodes, I can pull out, oh, that person edited that episode. And oh, I remember, you know, this, this side character, um, there's a, at one point there's a security guard uh, and it's just like Randall Winston, who's like one of the producers. And it, it's just like, there's all these little things that now I know, and it makes me love it even more. I don't even, I'm just going to ramble about Scrubs. Somebody stop me. <laughs> oh, how do you feel about talking. Dave Franco? Oh, God. Um, season nine was like right before Dave Franco like blew up as an actor. He was just getting out of the shadow of his older brother, James Franco. You may know him. Um, Dave Franco was one of the people cast in season nine. Him and I had a spot I remember, I talk about this frequently. <laughs> I remember very specifically, there was one day, because my the way it was, it was like, there was like, there was these offices, like office doors, and there was like a ramp, and it connected to the scrub set. Um, also worth pointing out that at the same time they were doing scrub season nine, they were launching the show Cougar Town with Courtney Cox. So that was like on, like across the, the, the way. So there was two shows and our office is kind of in the middle, but I was walking to the bathroom and I say, I see Dave Franco and it was just like, Oh, Hey. And then later that day I saw him again and he goes, Hey, this is like our spot. And I wanted to die because Dave Franco <laughs> remembered me and I wanted to die. And it was, <laughs> it was amazing. And I wanted to die. <laughs> I have my picture with him, and it's the best because, like I said, it was right before he got really, really popular. Um, so, so, Dwight, how does it feel knowing that Tiffany would leave you for Dave Franco? Oh God, it doesn't feel good, but <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't shock me because there's a long list of people that Tiffany would leave me for. Right, yeah. right. And yeah. Chris Hemsworth I'm, is Chris Hemsworth on that list? He's on there, but not as high he, up as you would think. Yeah, he's not. Oh. He's definitely lower than like Dave Franco. Um, uh. He's, but he's not as like. There's Chris Evans. There's oh. everybody in that all-time low band. Get out of here! Well, sorry, oh. specifically Ryan. Um, leave me alone. There's a bunch of people that Tiffany would Fuck leave off. me for. We should we should have Ryan on the podcast then. <laughs> Stop. You guys are mean. Um, so what do you like about Scrubs? Okay, can I say another? I feel like this is just talking about me, like me talking about anecdotes about Scrubs. You, you, that's kind of like 
when it comes to a favorite show, the anecdotes are what you bring yeah. to the show, and that's, that's what makes you feel so attached to it. So uh, a big part of Scrubs is uh, JD, Zach Braff's character, does a lot of inner monologuing. So like he's in these situations and he's like, oh, my wonder. Yeah, every episode starts with a voiceover and you're always getting that perspective um, from 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 him. You're getting that like, oh, today was a bad day. And it's really cool when the episodes like shift um the narrator and they you know they do different things and it's nice to get that perspective but jd is usually the focus and so it's it's there's a lot of voiceover um in the biz it's called adr and um for season nine zach braff came back for like the first few episodes and i two stories about adr one watched him do adr and he had brought one of his dogs with him a little the puppy and uh the dog was being really like just like kind of like separation anxiety and like not really wanting to like calm down so like at one point the guy doing the recording was kind of like they come we kind of took a break and I was like I can take the dog if you want <laughs> I literally looked at Zach Braff and I was like I I could take your dog and just like so you can do this and literally it was like okay and here I am walking around the fucking studio with Zach Braff's dog and people were looking at me and they were like oh it's Zach's dog I was like yep yeah. And Here that's when and that's when Tiffany kidnapped Zach Braff's dog. It was and she so, has it to this day. I mean, that was one of the things that I did a lot. Um, as an intern, kidnapped it dogs. was <laughs> kidnapped dogs. But like Danny, Danny had Tucker, um, and oh my god, I'm blanking on um Cooper was the other dog, was a Boston Terrier, um, was Michelle's dog. Uh, but the what part of what I would do every day was like at certain times of the day I would take the dogs out and we would go walk around. And so it was like not even weird for me to be like, Oh yeah, I'll take your dog. Because people brought their dogs um to work all the time and it was it was fun. So there was that, and then the last ADR that Zach Braff ever recorded, I was in the room. I was in the room where it happens. Well, the temporary room for season nine, but I was there and I watched him record his last ever uh, voiceover. And my voice is also part of the very last ego when um, uh, JD and Turk do their last eagle when they when JD jumps on Turk's back and yells out because it's like a big chorus of voices, right? <laughs> and they took a whole bunch yeah. of voices. Yeah, so I was part of that, which is really really cool. It's exciting. I know. Awesome. I have so many little anecdotes. It's it's just really fun to talk about. Um, I'm kind of sad that Scrubs hasn't had a resurgence like The Office because a lot of times I'm like, oh, I interned for Scrubs. And for a while, people were like, oh, yeah, I know Scrubs. And now it's kind of like, oh, I I think I remember that. And and it's, it's odd to me and it kind of bums me out that it's not. But there is a podcast that's out now. Um, fake doctors real friends that where they they've been go i haven't listened to it but they've been going through all the episodes um but i'm just hoping that like maybe at some point it'll come back and people will kind of like rediscover it or like people's kids will discover it so because it's a great show what are some of your favorite moments in the show like <sighs> any jokes that stand out to you or episodes that you can remember um, you don't have to say names just like the one where this happens the episode that's jumping out at me right now that i really love is the air band Mm. episode where like they're they're all trying to do there's some like contest where they're trying to all form an air band where they're just lip syncing and stuff that one jumps out at me um some of the ones that are really sad 
kind of jump out at me. I'm thinking of the one, um, fuck. There's one where there's, it's a repeat woman. She's back again and they show, and I'm thinking of it now because I've thought about it. Is it my lunch that you're talking about? Uh, No. It's, no. Is my lunch the one where like all three of the patients on the floor die? That one's my favorite. That one is, that one is heartbreaking. Are you like talking about the another, one with the woman who you see get sick with like when they pass the, you see, the when they the, pass the the virus around or they pass yeah. the germs around and she gets sick? Mm-hmm. Um, there's another really great episode where uh, Mrs. Wilkes, I think, is maybe her name, and she's talking about she's like, I'm okay to die. I've done all my stuff that I've wanted to do, and so they deal with a lot of heavy stuff about about death and and you know, what you see working in a hospital and, and the way they handle it is really great. The soundtrack is also incredible. There's so many songs and so many good, like, songs that I even listen to now. Um, what's the one from My Lunch? Is it... Uh, it's a Coldplay song, isn't it? Or, no. Is it, is it... Is it... How to Save a Life. It's How to Save how a Life, to save right? A life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, that's Which the is, one that... There's a Hallelujah. That that's the fray. That's the, the fray. fray. I was like, Sorry. I was yeah. like, that's not Coldplay. No. That's no. the fray. Tells you how much I know. Uh, <laughs> um, but but I, the, yeah. beginning I really of season like two. Ta- talking about uh, my lunch, I really like um, Cox's story arc around my lunch and like how he his like fall from grace and yep. how it takes yep. such a huge toll on him. I love the ramifications behind that episode. Which is probably why a lot of people consider that one of the best episodes. Uh, just because it's one of these, it's it's a comedy. It's like a sitcom mm-hmm. to a certain degree. But it has these great moments that ripple out through the episodes. And it it's meaningful in that way. And I really, really enjoy that shit. Like, this, this is a great show. That's the one with um, the woman who dies and they take her organs and all three of those patients who need the organs die because her organs had, uh, she had rabies. Right. And they didn't know that's and they exactly didn't catch it. it. But but the best episode is my musical. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I mean, one. I just love musicals. Yeah, so yeah. I just, I love that episode. I'm just like trying to think of other favorite episodes and it's just, it, it's, it's hard there's just so many good you've, you've listed a bunch of them i i really enjoyed um yeah it it might be the the air band one i don't remember exactly but it's, it's the one where uh elliot is dating keith and they do mm-hmm. um don't stop believing at the end of it and like as she's going to see him and he's like sitting on the dolphin or something like that am i making that one up is that not uh... keith? no that's not keith that's the other guy that's the other guy um yeah what's what's the one with brendan Fraser? I really oh. like that one. Oh. I I love Cox centric episodes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, clearly, he's my yeah. favorite character. Yeah, the the Bren- one with Brendan Fraser is great. The Brendan Fraser one, if you're talking about the second time he shows up, that one in yep. specific is phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, I don't remember what it's called. Yeah. I, I, my, I think it's called either. My Mistake. Maybe I I, I really don't. Mistake. There's one episode that I, I think I think I know the name of two episodes. Uh, my first day in my musical. That's about it. You knew my lunch too. No, you guys mentioned it. That's that's uh-huh. how I knew to mention it. I, I do like there's the also, lunch. No, I was just gonna say because um, then there's also the episodes with because John Ritter played um Zach Braff's dad on the show, and um, he died while they were fi- he like he was. The show was still going on when he, yeah, he when he, he died. Pa- he passed away in real life while the show was still airing. While he, the show was happening, yeah. 
I mean, he was and on think, Eight Simple Rules at that point, but he he had he was doing guests on Scrubs. But it but it was a it was a guest spot. Um, but I remember, I remember that happening, and that was really really sad. Like they dealt with a lot of these things. Um, sorry, I'm just like I'm on Wikipedia now, looking things up, and just like things are coming back to me, and and this is why I didn't right. want to prep too much because it's like it's just there's so much here. I, I mean, think it's. I think we can all agree that uh, yeah. JD and Janitor's relationship is <laughs> one of the funniest ones ever put to screen. I absolutely love JD and Janitor. It's it's hysterical. Agreed. I really like Kelso's character arc where like yeah. there's a couple of episodes where um where where Cox either tries to take over his role or like you kind of mm-hmm, get a peek mm-hmm. behind the curmudgeon old man and it's like he's mm-hmm. doing he's being this like hard ass because he has to be and not because like he definitely like regrets the actions that he's making for the most part um mm-hmm. and he's got some really nice calves if i remember that episode yes. correctly <laughs> um but yeah this is another one of those shows aside from season 9 that i think ended pretty well um they kind of ended i think right after the writers strike happened was that their last was their last season the writers strike season or was their last season after oh fuck i don't remember i think that their the writers strike was i want to say season 7 for them and then season 8 was their last ep- last episode or last season, season 8 was their last one yeah so i think this scrubs, was right after cuz scrubs jumped networks because it was it originally did. not on a i think it was on nbc and NBC. then nbc canceled it and abc yep. picked it up yep. and that was a yep. weird change in tone yeah the the writer yeah. strike was 2007 2008 right because that's when um that movie doctor horrible happened oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. 2007 2008 yeah but yeah, this was 2009. So yeah, it would have it would have been post writer strike, but um what a weird time for TV and stuff. But it was another one of those episodes or another one of those shows I think that ended pretty well with like JD being like, "All right, it's my last day at the hospital." Like how fitting of of an ending for for him to leave. Like, you know what I mean? Like the show ends with like your main character leaving. Yeah. Um so like, you know, you're, you're there on his first day, you're there on his last day and, and kind of those. So I think that was really, really great. And then, and then they bring it back for season nine, which was not great. It was fun to be part of it, but it was not great. Well, I, um, I, I know you know this as well, Tiffany, so maybe you can speak yeah. to this a little bit better, but season nine was originally intended to be a spinoff episode, show. and you can yeah. even see it in the opening titles it, where it says Scrubs, but then in the bottom, it just says Med School. Yeah, Bill Lawrence wanted to do it as a spinoff, and ABC basically told him, no, fuck off. So so he tried his damnedest to, like, put that, like, in the in the opening and all these other things to separate it from Scrubs, because it was never intended to be Scrubs Season 9. It was always intended to be, like, Scrubs Med School Season 1. Yeah. It was supposed to be its own thing, and, like, you know, like, Zach Braff and Sarah Chalk and Donald Faison were supposed to come on and kind of, like transition into this new cast of characters and i think that confusion like led a little bit to its downfall because it's not scrubs and 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 like it's not like i say it's bad but i don't i I think had they had that separation entirely i think it would have been okay um it's definitely not bad it's just not scrubs it's a new show and it's a good scrubs and it's a new show and they needed to do that um yeah, so it, it it suffered because of of that, but 
Eh, it, it exists. It's cool. It was still was very cool. good. It was just a little tonally different, and yeah. you know, yeah. not yeah. You didn't have all the cast back, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wish that they had kept on going. I feel like if if that show had gotten like three seasons, it probably could yeah. have been really, really strong. Yeah, they had some really, really great people. I mean, you had Eliza Coop, uh, who's from New Hampshire, who is amazing, and Carrie Bechet is like such a sweetheart. Uh, Michael Mosley was on there. I don't know what else he's done, but he was really good. Um, and you had Dave Franco and was that it? Dave Franco. Dave Franco. It had, it had potential. It just, just marketed the wrong way, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I could talk about the show forever. Stop me if you want me to not talk about Scrubs. You can talk about it as long as you want to. (laughs) I'm just saying nonsense. I'm just like, let me tell you about how I worked on it. So season five, episode 14, what are your thoughts and opinions on the controversial scene? I don't know. I'm just talking. (laughs) I also Uh, haven't watched it in a while. Um, And this is to go back to talking about The Office. The reason that we started watching The Office is because Scrubs aired live um before the office it was on before so we we would watch the office and then we would like oh well stay tuned for this and that's kind of how we got hooked on the office as well i i remember um i don't even remember how you decided to watch this you might have like caught an episode on tv or something but i remember going to game was was it gamestop or movie stop i don't know if movie stop was around at this point but we went to gamestop and we bought like the first like three or four seasons for you. Like I remember like you being so excited finding them in, we were in college and you'd like devoured them in like two evenings. I was just going to say this was, so you talk about that 70 show. This was the first show that I bought. I remember buying for myself and pre binge watching. I would just, I mean, a season was 20 something episodes. I think if I'm remembering correctly. I mean, there were, let me look. Yeah. 20, 24 22 so i mean it was 20 plus episodes for most of the seasons and you know a half an hour each you can do that math that's a lot of hours and i would just it would be like 3 a.m and i'd be like i gotta stop i can't i can't watch another episode like i would just at one after another after another after another and i don't remember how i found it how i like i have no idea my i can't remember i just know that it was just like i got hooked on it immediately it was almost like on a whim you were like I'm going to give this show a try. And mm-hmm. you just fell in love with it, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just, it's going to make me want to go back and rewatch it because I think it does hold up. Um, so many of the jokes are, are they're not, they're, they're just funny because they're like people dressed up and doing silly things. I don't think there's a ton of like pop culture references or, or at least like current for that for the early 2000s i think a lot of things are pretty timeless like there's a you know a whole bit with like dr acula who's just dracula like there's there's things like that where it's it's not dependent on the pop culture of the early 2000s which i think is a reason why it holds up in my mind and i'm thinking about it so fondly because it's never it's not like doing like a family guy thing where it's like remember that time it's just it's it's kind of weird and timeless. Which is interesting because they definitely did use Family Guy-esque jokes with um, mm-hmm. JD's mm-hmm. Uh, fantasies, but those were always rooted in JD's character or like something yeah. he's imagining about the situation. It wasn't a random joke. Um, that's why I brought it back to Family Guy because that's like the only thing that I can think that makes sense. Yeah. Like there were these random like, wouldn't it be cool if... And he like looks up and it's... <laughs> we, we have really ripped on Family Guy this episode. <laughs> 
it's Our not on any of our sucks. lists. Family Guy is terrible. Family Guy didn't start sucking until after it got canceled. Seasons one Ugh. through three are fantastic. Yeah. So bad. The beginning Ugh. of Family Guy was so good. And then it got canceled and came back as this fucking monster. The only good thing Seth MacFarlane is good at, <laughs> the only good thing, the only thing Seth MacFarlane is good at is singing because he has an incredible lounge, lounge singer voice. That's all mm-hmm. he's good for. That's it. He sucks otherwise. He's not funny. Yeah. Fight me, I, podcast no, I, listeners. Fight I agree. me. Hey, uh, Peter Griffin here. And uh, I saw online that you guys wanted uh, audio submissions for people's favorite TV shows. And uh, I thought it was a good idea to maybe, uh, you know, clip one for you guys and maybe talk a little bit about my show, Family Guy. Uh, it is on FXX and also Cartoon Network. And uh, it would uh, really be a miss, I think, if uh, if people didn't it didn't watch the show because it's a really great show, and uh, I think more people should watch it. Uh, 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 viewership has been declining in recent years, and uh, and a really just any avenue we can get people to come watch the show, that would be fantastic. Anyway, I guess uh, the long and short of it is my favorite show, uh, Greg the Bunny. I agree. Fight us. <laughs> Fight us. Um, but yeah, Scrubs. Anything else? I'm trying to think of other anecdotes and stories and things about being on it. And I just love it. Like, if you haven't watched Scrubs, watch Scrubs. It is Ooh, just... That's, that's how I end my segment. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you haven't watched it, you need to watch it. It's... Um, oh, the only other thing I want to add is that I played Mrs. Claus in the uh, Christmas party at the end of the year before like literally the day before we flew home or whatever like a few days before we flew home um and i remember them calling wardrobe calling it was like hey do you want to be mrs claus for the christmas party and i was like yeah i guess (laughs) so i got to sit up and be mrs claus uh while people brought their kids and uh i got to yeah it was kind of cool i still have i think i still have the shoes they like went out and bought me like shoes for like my costume and stuff and I have so many pictures. Dwight came to that party. I I played the Wii with um, uh, John C. McGinley's son, and I'm just a giant man-child. So that's what that that came down to. So nothing's changed? Nope. Nothing's changed in 10 years. No, no. Okay. Well, that was number one. Fantastic. Thank you guys very much for uh, coming with your list. To recap, Alex's list is, in no particular order, Firefly, Venture Brothers, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Cowboy Bebop, and Top Gear. I say no order, but I'm pretty sure that was reverse. Mine, for in no particular order, Dwight's list, Dwight's list, in no particular order, That 70s Show, Twilight Zone, Futurama, Parks and Recreation, and Breaking Bad. And Tiffany's list in no particular order, Parks and Recreation, The Office, Futurama, Scrubs, and a bunch of question marks because she's got a bunch of honorable mentions. Can I also add when I mentioned my honorable mentions, I didn't mention Glow and Glow would also be on that list. Okay. it's a good call. Awesome. So thank you all very much for listening. Thank you everybody who submitted um, submissions for the submission in submitting. Uh, thank you very much. Nice. It's, it's, nice. It, was, it means a lot to us that you did this. Um, and if anyone has any ideas for other 
top fives that you want to hear or are curious about, send us an email at norefundspodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we would like to thank uh, the Hyper Potions for Time Trials, which is our theme song. And we would like to thank our listeners like you. So thank you guys very much. And we will talk to you next time. Bye. 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 Um, I could wa- I said, um, again, <laughs> Tiffany did this to me. She keeps I, telling me. Are she you noticing it? That I, said, that I said, um, too much. So now every time I say it, I want to slap myself. <laughs> um. uh... Hi, my name is Forrest and my favorite show is live PD. Cause I like to hit him with the blue lights. Daggum. I like that show because it shows cool police chases. And my Nana's favorite part is when the people get tased. I also am sad that it got canceled because I really wanted my Auntie Kelsey's department to go on the show because she's really cool and she just became a police officer. But for now, we have to watch um, some Northwoods Law and it's about environmental police. It's not as fun, but sometimes I get to see bears. So for now, instead of hitting them with the blue lights, we'll hit them with the... Green lights!